0: everybody. Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 21. My name is Zach and joining me as always is Ben Fisher. Ben, how's it going?
1: Uh, you know, man, it's going. Still life in the pandemic. But I can't believe we're on episode 21. Doesn't that mean our podcast is legally old enough to drink? Isn't that how, how age works? Uh
0: Pretty sure that's years, Ben. We've been at this for 21 weeks.
1: 21. Look, units are, t- are tricky for me. I, let's just say it's, it's 21 and leave it at that.
0: All right. Sounds fair.
1: Happy birthday, Dragon Jack! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it does feel weird though that we've been at this for 21 weeks already. Like that time has flown.
1: Yeah, like 21 episodes—that's so much. These people have listened to so much of our voices. It's absurd. What are you people still doing here?
0: <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Though it's it's super awesome.
1: Yeah, we we never know. We never knew how far we'd get, and uh, even just doing this and, and having an awesome community around us, we're loving every second of it.
0: That we are. Uh, This week we're talking about Kaladesh Remastered, uh, which is the new and sort of latest format that is dropping on Arena. But before we get into that, gotta plug our sponsor, MTG Arena Zone is your top destination for all Magic the Gathering Arena articles, community, decks, news, and more. Uh, They've got plenty of content for constructed and limited players alike, from top archetypes to theory articles and much more. And they also just recently posted uh, an article on a full Kaladesh Remastered breakdown so if you want a written reference to what we're going to be going over today and maybe some opinion pieces that that are different from what we were thinking but uh, if you want a written reference for the art for the format that's the place to to check it out
1: Mm -hmm. and as standard has been rapidly evolving there's a lot going on Uh, different flavors of rogues decks different flavors of yorian decks the aggro and mid-range decks that attempt to compete but ultimately fail you can find all the information you need about those there on mtga zone yeah definitely.
0: As Ben mentioned, we also have a lovely community growing and uh, supporting us. You can check that out at the Discord. It's completely free. Uh, We have plenty of channels for all sorts of stuff, just general chatting. We have uh, channels for just about every format that is being drafted on Arena and a few others that are MTGO only. Uh, Right now, we don't have a whole lot of paper stuff going on given the the pandemic, but (laughs) when we can get back to that, I'm sure we'll have some channels open to get people in, in some drafts as well. And we're working right now on putting together a Commander Legends sealed league. So check that out. There's uh, more information coming on that. And we'll probably have a separate dedicated channel just for the league. But it's going to be super casual. We just wanted to give everybody in the Discord the opportunity to grab some packs of Commander Legends as it's going to be pretty much only on MTGO from an online perspective. Get some packs. We're going to play over Spell Table and it should be great fun. So if you're interested in that, check out the Discord. Link to that is in the episode description as well as uh, on our Twitter page. And likewise, if you're interested in supporting us, you can do so directly at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. That's the best place to go to give back to the show directly. Um, we've got a whole bunch of different uh, tiers there where you can give as much or as little as you want. And um, we've got a few different bonuses for the different tiers. Uh, we just got our stickers in and those are getting mailed out to our patrons who are owed those very shortly. Hopefully tomorrow I'll have those in the mail. So, um, yeah, they're pretty cool.
1: I'm expecting to get at least 15 to 20 stickers. I'm going to put them on literally every surface I own.
0: Well, I don't see you signed up on our Patreon, so (laughs) I don't know if you're getting any Ben.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll Venmo you. Just send me a bunch. (laughs) All right.
0: Sounds good. With that, I guess let's get into our Kraken draft type thing. Uh, Ben, you've got a, a nice Kaladesh remastered pack for us here.
1: That's right, man. I've been excited to talk about these cards for a while. Uh, I've missed some of these, you know, it's good to get back into them. I drafted a lot of this set. Uh, this is when I first started getting kind of competitive with magic. So I have a good amount of experience with these. Uh, let's start off with our first card called Dawn Feather Eagle. This is four and a white for a bird. It's a three, three. It is flying as one would expect. And when Dawn Feather Eagle enters the battlefield, creatures you control get one, one and vigilance until end of turn. Well, yeah, we've seen cards like this before. They tend to perform pretty well. Uh, It's fine if it's the only creature you have on board. And if you happen to build out a bunch of tokens, this just ends the game.
0: Yep. Not a super exciting first pick, but totally a playable card and not one I'm really upset putting in any white deck in this format.
1: Mm -hmm. We're going to see that there's actually a lot of ways to go wide in this format, as well as ways to go tall, uh, giving you a lot of choice and letting you kind of take the game in whatever direction suits you best. Next up, we've got Spireside Infiltrator. This is two and a red for a 3-2 human rogue. Whenever it becomes tapped, it deals one damage to each opponent. Well, yeah, this is a fine little aggressive creature on its own. I wonder if there's some kind of mechanic in this set that involves tapping creatures. I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're probably right. Let's move on. (laughs) Next up, we got Fortuitous Find. This is two and a black for a sorcery. Choose one or both. Return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand or return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Well, if you can get both back, this is a, like a three-mana draw, too, and it's going to be two hits, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know that
1: you're, you're not bricking on a land or something, so
0: it's a little bit better than Divination, perhaps?
1: hmm Yeah, now, it turns out there's a lot of artifacts in the set, and there's ways to remove artifacts in the set. Sometimes it's artifact creatures that shed off in combat, and if you can, say, get back one artifact creature and then one normal creature, yeah, this is a good little good little three-mana sorcery to put in your, uh, your grindy value decks. Next up, we've got... What was... Uh, one of the best green commons in, uh, in its time, this is Pima Outrider. This is two green green for a 3-3 three, three trample. Uh, it's an elf artificer, and it has Fabricate 1. Now, Fabricate is a keyword we're going to get into a little bit. Basically, it means you can put a counter on it or create a 1-1 one, one servo. So again, lots of flexibility. Uh, this is my current pick out of this pack.
0: Yeah, agreed. This is—it's going to be interesting because we're so used to Zendikar Rising, where we have these notions of what colors are good and what colors you want to avoid, and archetypes you want to avoid, and that kind of thing. And this is—this format's going to shake that up. Uh, if if you're only familiar with Zendikar Rising, be ready to draft colors you're not used to drafting.
1: Green decks, green decks, green and, decks, and the
0: blue-white <laughs> decks. But we'll get to that.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. We've both got our uh, our favorites in this format. Uh, that's what I love these remastered sets for. It's like a little bonus before the. Uh, I mean, Caldheim is ages away, right? But uh, this is a nice little in between. Next up, we've got Weldfast Wingsmith. This is three and a blue for a three-three human artificer. When an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gains flying until end of turn. Yeah. All right. As format of three threes go, this is worse than the previous one. It's no Pima Outrider.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Next up is Unbridled Growth. This is one green for an enchantment aura. It enchants a land, and the enchanted land has tap to add one mana of any color. You can sacrifice it to draw a card. This is a little better than it seems, because it can trigger one of the abilities in the set called Revolt, which cares about when a permanent leaves the battlefield. Otherwise, it might seem like, why would you spend one mana to invest in this at all? It ends up, you know, playing a decent part in it. Uh, You can play one or two of these in a a Revolt-themed deck if you have a bunch of Revolt keyword creatures.
0: It also enables fixing pretty well, and we're not really used to seeing good fixing lately. Like, M21 didn't have a whole lot. Zendikar Rising doesn't have a whole lot. There are a lot of overlapping themes in this format, so you might see more unbridled growths than you would expect. But still on Pima Outrider here. Mm
1: -hmm. Next up, we've got Sage of Shiloh's Claim. This is one of the green for a 2-1 Elf Druid. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy. So this looks like three little pips of energy. This is a special kind of counter. Uh, It's not on the, the board state. It kind of just exists. Uh Back when this was printed in paper, they had a little uh, energy reserve card that you would put counters on. Think of it as uh similar to like an experience counter if you're familiar with Commander or some other thing that exists kind of outside the game. Yeah, so they're it to makes...
0: the player directly. So like similar to poison or
1: anything like that. So this is uh it's a pretty powerful mechanic given that, you know, Energy is not really interactable by your opponents, and you get to use it as this resource bank to do all sorts of nonsense. This is a, a playable card. It was often cut, but if your deck was really energy-thirsty, you can toss one of these in and it's not the most embarrassing thing in the world.
0: Yeah, sometimes the blue-green decks will care about it, and occasionally like your, your go-big green decks will care because some of the bigger, like Long Tusk Cub, really wants a critical mass of energy. There are a few other cards that do as well in green, so sometimes you're fine playing this 2-mana two 2-1 two that gives you some upside later for your other incidental creatures, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy special.
1: Yeah, this is best when you had uh, a few ways of turning energy into payoff, like if you had a way to draw a card with energy or a way to make tokens or uh, grow a creature, that's where this is playable, but besides that, uh, it's just fine. Next up, we've got Fire Forger's Puzzle Knot. This is part of a cycle of Puzzle knots. Each of them does something that you kind of expect for the color. Uh, It's two mana. It's an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. And you can pay two and a red, sacrifice it to deal one damage to any target. Well, this triggers Revolt. It's an artifact for the artifact decks that care about that. It's uh, a little bit worse than uh, Omen of the Forge. I mean, one damage is a lot less than two. But this can pick off a Sage of Shiloh's Claim. That's true,
0: yeah. I think these cards are really, I mean, artifacts matter in this format, so that's something that is worth putting value on. You know, it's it's not just the two mana deal one that can deal another later. It's it's a two mana artifact which is relevant. It can trigger revolt, which is also relevant. Um, and all the puzzle knots do this. They enter the battlefield, do a thing, and then you can spend some mana and sack it to do the same thing again. But as, as far as the puzzle knots go, Forges is fine. I, I, you really want to see how many X1s are in the format before you're putting too much stock into a card like this.
1: But um,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's serviceable. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm personally still on the Outrider here. Absolutely. Next up, we've got another part of a cycle. To be honest, I didn't check to see if the whole cycle made it in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, neither <laughs> I did hope I. They did. This is called Thriving Turtle, uh, part of the Thriving Cycle. It's one blue for a zero three 3 turtle. When it enters the battlefield, you get two energy. When it attacks, you can pay two. If you do, put a 1-1 counter on it.
0: That's, that's so, two energy you can pay.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, pay two energy. And We're going to have to remember to say that all the time, aren't we? So this was part of a cycle of thriving creatures. Each of them had the same ability. When it enters the battlefield, you get some energy. And when it attacks, you can pay uh, two energy and put a 1-1 counter on it. So this serves as a way to uh, create energy and as a way to use energy. So if you have energy laying around, you can you know start... Getting in with your thriving creatures, and then if you wanted to use it for other stuff, you can use it for other stuff instead. So, uh, the funny part here is how often are you attacking with a 0 3 and then turning it into a 1 4? Like, is that really something you want to do?
0: Yeah, probably not. Oftentimes, thriving turtles specifically ended up just being an extra way to gum up the board and get your energy bank running, uh, so to speak. You are going to find it almost i'm pretty sure this is going to end up being the same way i don't know if they collated the sets so that this isn't as big of an issue but i remember back when these sets were originally being like being drafted uh you always had more ways to spend your your energy than you did ways to generate it um you you're often going to find that you would wish you had more energy than you did and uh, thriving turtle is a good way to just kind of gum up the board and yeah get the get that energy rolling
1: yep next up we've got reckless Fireweaver. this is one in the red for a one three human artificer. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, Reckless Ar- or yeah, Reckless Fireweaver deals 1 damage to each opponent. Yeah, it's a little pinger. Uh, it's kind of a defensive red creature. You're going to want to be one of the slower red decks. Uh I mean what is that, <laughs> right? Uh, Blue red can sometimes use this uh, if it's trying to do a like a slow artifact plan, get some late game value from the artifact synergy, maybe improvise out some of the, uh, the creatures that we're trying to get. Another keyword we'll get to in a bit. Uh, but yeah, this could do a little bit here and there, but not something I'm looking to pick up pack pack one pick one.
0: Yeah, as far as artificers go, the next one has my attention a bit more.
1: <laughs> yeah, next up we've got Maverick Thopterus. This is our first uncommon. This is three blue-red for a human artificer. It's a 2-2. It has Improvise. So Improvise is a, uh, a mechanic. It's only ever shown up in this set. It's, uh, it's a fixed version of affinity for artifacts. Uh, so instead of like, costing less for each artifact you control, this allows you to tap artifacts to pay for the generic mana in a spell's casting cost. So, if you were trying to cast this and you had a, say, a Fire Forger's Puzzle Knot on board, you could tap two islands, two mountains, and your Fire Forger's Puzzle Knot, and that would fulfill the three blue red requirement. Now, uh, when it enters the battlefield, you create two 1 1 color- colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Welcome back, Thopters. Uh, I didn't miss you.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Thopter decks could get really bonkers really quickly and maverick thopterous was a big linchpin in those decks um better than pima outrider pack one pick one i think i would take it i think it's in general the it it requires some build around but you're getting four mana or sorry four power and toughness worth of worth of uh, stats on a five mana card which is below rate but improvised means you know if you can generate some servos or thopters early you're going to be casting this for maybe two or whatever um so yeah maverick thopterous is is a powerful card, I'd probably want to take it here, but taking a two color card first pick isn't really great.
1: If you ever get to cast Maverick Thopters for just blue red, y- y- you did it! Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, congrats! Yeah, so the joke here obviously is that uh, this gives you more artifacts uh, to do more stuff with, improvise more things out, and uh, turns out having a lot of artifacts on the board is a good thing. Speaking of making Thopters, our next uncommon is Whirler Maker. This is, uh, is that three, I think? Pretty yeah, sure it's just three yeah. mana for an artifact. Uh, it's a little blurry on my screen. For four mana, or, or sorry, it's just an artifact, and it has the ability, pay four, tap it, create a 1-1 colorless Dopter artifact creature token with flying. Hmm, this is a very, very bad rate. Is this seven mana to make your first 1-1 Dopter? Yep. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> slow. It's kind of slow, I'll admit. Uh, I will say, if you ever happen to top deck this in the late game, this is a late game bomb. Like this will uh, just start, you know, seven mana to make a, or well, after you pay the the first time, four mana to make a one one every turn. yeah That's the kind of thing that can take over a board in the late game. However, if you're getting beaten down by red white or red green, this is not going to do that for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, notably, there are one one th- flyers, so in a board stall situation, they will put you ahead and there are a lot of cards in like the red blue archetype that care about having these thopters around so whirler maker is better than it seems or at least i remember it being better than it seems we'll see if in this new version of the format if it actually pulls the weight that it did uh, the first time around
1: mm-hmm. pretty sick combo with reckless Fireweaver too uh whenever you make one deal damage to each opponent yep not bad now, the next card in the pack is going to utterly obliterate everything else. If there's one thing that I want to emphasize about this format, it's that Ridge Scale Tusker is just awesome. Uh, this is three green green for a five five Pangolin Beast. Let me, let me say that again, Pangolin Beast. Go look <laughs> at the art for this thing, this, this card's awesome. So when it enters the battlefield, put a one one counter on each other creature you control. That's not non-token, that's each. So if you had, say, made a few Thopters here and there, or if you had a few tokens laying around, you're getting at bare minimum, if this is the only creature on your board, five power and toughness for five mana. If you have one other creature, you're getting six, and it's spread across two bodies, and that other counter's worth of power and toughness has haste, essentially. And if you have like three creatures, this thing is insane!
0: Yeah, this scales really high with the number of creatures you can keep out on the field, and so like a which we'll get into with some of the archetypes like red white for instance or sorry green white for instance that can get some really wide board states ridge scale tusker really shines and and anything like that but as ben mentioned it's a five five for five so the floor is really really high like it's just a good card and it the upside is through the roof so
1: mm-hmm. now some of you may also know that there is a mythic in this set there's a gear hulk cycle which we'll get into later but the Gearhulks are these big, flashy, mythic creatures. They all enter the battlefield and have some like bonkers effect. The green one is called Verderous gear Gearhulk. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you distribute four one-one counters among creatures you control. Uh, it's a 4 mana, it's a 5 mana of four-four, and it has Trample. There are board states in limited where you would rather have a Ridge-scale Tusker than a Verderous Gear Hulk. Yeah that if you have more than four other creatures, which is very possible in this format to have five or six with some of them being Flyers and Thopters, there are times when I would rather have this uncommon than one of the Bomb Mythics from the set. So uh, let that be an indication of the power level of Ridge Scale Tusker. Uh, this wipes out everything else in the pack, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, card is pretty bonkers. Um, I'm sad to take it over Maverick Thopters, but I know it's correct.
1: <laughs> now, the question is, are you taking it over our rare? This is Kari Zev Skyship Raider. This is one red for a 1-3. She's a human pirate with first strike and menace. And, uh, when... <laughs> oh, man, I love this. When Kari Zev attacks, create Raghavan, a legendary 2-1 red monkey creature token. Raghavan enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. Exile that token at end of combat.
0: Yeah, that wording's weird. I think they changed the templating on that.
1: Maybe, Maybe that's a... a I can't remember. Could be a weird mis, misprint or something, but essentially it goes away at the end of combat. Although I could have sworn it was end of turn. Oh, well, maybe this is a, a bad translation or something like that, but it, who knows? We, we, we can look that up later. The, essentially, it goes away uh, for your opponent's turn. That's all that matters. So this is a, a two mana, one, three first strike menace. So already it's tough to block. You're going to need something that uh, you're going to need two things. And if one of them has one toughness, you're in trouble. And uh, one-toughness creatures are, are running around here. If we just take a general look at this pack, we see a lot of threes uh, in the powers and toughnesses, but then a lot of ones and zeros as well.
0: Yeah, Zev is hilarious. I love the flavor of this card. Getting Ragavan out, like, you know, she's, like, she's a pirate captain that has a monkey on her shoulder that comes out and helps her attack. It's so cool. Um, and yeah, if you're trying to block... Kar- Oftentimes what will happen is you're going to attack with Zev. Ragavan gets created... People want to block Ragavan more because it deals more, and it's annoying to block a one three with your with two creatures because that's what you have to do. So often they just eat this two one that you get for free every turn, and you're chipping in damage with her and maybe your other creatures too. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. she's a solid card. I still think I'm on ridge scale though.
1: Yeah, the the play pattern with Karyzhev is is a little wonky. Uh, if, if when you attack with this two one. If they have a 3-3, three, three, whatever, it just gets in. Uh, you're, you might not be attacking that point anyway. But if their board is full of 2-2s, they're not really willing to trade one of their, their cards, like one of their 2-2 creatures, for a 2-1 that's just going to die at the end of the turn anyway. That doesn't feel good, because they're just going to get another one next turn, right? So uh, then they're like, okay, well, instead I guess I'll just block ev 1-3 First Strike Menace. This is one of the most terrifying cards when there's pump spells in the format of all time. Mm-hmm. Imagine giving this plus 3, plus 3. Eat both of them. Uh, both creatures that you got forced to, to block it, or even just eating one and then first strike it down so that the other one can't kill her. Like If you have any pump spells, uh, Karyzev can be a terrifying attacker.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's... Pr- pr- mm. I don't know. What do you think? Is she the correct pick here? No, no, I, I'm taking Tusker. I, 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 <laughs> the second I asked that question, I was like, why did I bother? I know he's taking
1: Tusker. No, no, no. K- Karyzev is sweet, but um, mark my words, Ridge Ridgegale Tusker will end games.
0: Yeah. Also, it's worth mentioning she's really, really good in an aggressive deck and an aggressive format. And this is not really looking to be an aggressive format. There probably will be aggressive decks that work, but it seems like low to ground, low to the ground mid range is going to be kind of where we're we're headed with this format.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no big over the top cards in this set. There were some in the originals, but um, I don't see any of them in this remastered version. It looks like this one's been handpicked to have a like You said low to the ground mid range. There's going to be <laughs> I think we might get blocking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think we might well, get the block creatures.
0: We won't have any blocking if red, uh, blue-white has anything to say about it. But
1: Okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, anyway, let, let, let's start moving to the rest of our show. We'll get to that later.
0: Sure. So that brings us to our Teferi Tybalt. Um, I guess I'll kick it off this week. And for those who don't know, if you are a new listener and haven't, haven't heard this section yet, basically this is where Ben and I just kind of go over our uh, high point and low point of the week. And we just uh, share a little bit about what we were up to this week with you the listener so for me the the teferi is that randomly i got veterans day off this year and i'm not sure if veterans day is something that every country has so a brief explanation is basically we have a holiday for to celebrate veterans every year here in the states um normally it's not a like i think banks are usually closed but the stock market isn't so usually it's not a business holiday but for some reason i guess my company decided hey we're getting that off and uh, next year's calendar says we have it off too so maybe that's just where they're Hmm. headed which is pretty cool uh, it's a nice, uh, having a Wednesday off is really nice. Cause you get like two days of good work in, then you get a nice little break and then you're back to two days of work before a two day weekend. It's pretty, pretty nice, uh, nice breakup of the week. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was super fun. Um, I got a haircut today, so that was fun. I haven't had one in months, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. Pretty, pretty nice. Um, my tibble for this week, though, is that the, the Zendikar Rising Trophy still eludes me. I had a mm. very, very solid, I don't want to call it bonkers because I don't think it was quite that that powerful, but I had a nice black-red deck that had Zagris and all the works and really thought that was going to take me there. I ended up 5-3-ing with that. And then I drafted a weird blue-white deck that almost trophied, mm. but I think I ended up I was on, like, a hot streak of four zero, and then I think I'd, I'd lost the next three games or something and ended up 4-3 with that. Mm-hmm. Then I drafted, like, a weird rogue party deck, sort of, that kind of got there, but I also went 5-3 with that one. So I just, the trophy eludes me, and I'm determined to get a trophy for this format at least once.
1: Well, uh, don't worry, I've got enough for both of us, so if you want yeah, to... Yeah, see <laughs> so- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Maybe I need nah, to schedule but, uh, a coaching session. What the heck?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, all, all, all those have winning records. And it sounds like, I mean, obviously, we know our deck construction skills. So uh, sometimes that, that just happens, you know, and that, that's an important thing, too. Like, uh, I'm sure this is something that a lot of uh, our listeners can relate to. It's something that all of us can relate to from time to time. Sometimes you just, uh, the games just break in a certain way where you don't win seven games in a row. And that's especially, um, were those quick drafts?
0: um no one of they they were all pretty much premiere i think eh, maybe one or two was quick i, I can't remember
1: yeah it, it, it's a weird environment right uh the difference between quick and traditional too uh and switching back and forth between it or drafting with humans and drafting with bots uh you know you still got some time
0: yeah yeah i've got a couple months like i can i'm confident i'll be able to work this out but it is a little demoralizing yeah. to be this far into the format and still not have a trophy mm-hmm
1: well uh if anyone's interested in, in uh, doing a little research on how to trophy in the format, maybe, maybe you could walk on over to the uh, Trophy Decks uh, channel in our Discord. Nice plug.
0: How about yeah, you? What, no, was I... your, uh, what was your week
1: like? So um, a little weird. We had some COVID cases at my school that I teach at, so we are totally virtual now. I got tested. I'm all good. But um, yeah, we're we're fully online now, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. you. I can't tell if you sound excited about that or upset about that or both, like, Kind of sounds like you're not too happy about it.
1: Okay, so this is my tifle for the week because I think ultimately it's a bad thing. All right, so it could have been a tifle or to fair, to be honest. So there's bad things and good things about it. The good thing is that uh, we need to do everything we can to stop COVID from spreading. I'm a scientist. Uh, the vaccine is coming eventually. They're not going to try to microchip us. If they wanted our data, they could have it. Um, <laughs> but they already do. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. And this is, I think, the best thing that we can be doing, especially with holiday seasons coming up. There's going to be a lot of younger people spending a lot of time with older people, regardless of whether or not it's the right thing to do. Um, So I I think it's good to start, you know, taking some precautions here and there. And I think switching online is definitely the right thing that schools should be doing. Uh, You know, it's just a step up from social distancing. Now, uh, the down. (laughs) All right. Some more upsides of this. Uh, I get to sleep in like 45 minutes later. I get to like make tea in the morning and have a snack, which I usually just rush to school and I don't have time for. Them. Um, I have like an, an extra long lunch break because I have a prep period that like borders on my lunch. So I, I just get to like sit around for a while. I can jam some arena on my lunch break now. Finally, the downside, of course, is that um, I'm a physics teacher and physics really relies on doing things in person. Uh, I'm teaching optics with one of my classes right now, and I'm finding that my students are really suffering from not being able to draw diagrams physically in front of them. Um, there's something about measuring an angle with a protractor that doesn't port very well online. Uh, not to mention the fact that the protractor plugin that I got them for Chrome was blocked by the school administration. So, uh, nothing I can do about that. (laughs) Um, well, anyway, yeah, so it's going to be a change of pace, but uh, hey, it means I can play more magic, so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, physics is a very hands-on subject, so yeah, I guess that that's going to be more significantly rough for you, I think, than, than say, a literature teacher or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough. Uh, a lot of the research that uh, I've been involved in, that my grad program has been involved in, uh, it's all about the fact that doing things yourself, uh, it leads to learning. Which is actually something that I've, I've also tried to port into magic uh, to keep it slightly on topic, you know, um, that oftentimes doing things yourself is the best way to learn. You don't remember what someone tells you, but you remember how you feel when you do something yourself. Uh, even if you don't remember the experience itself, uh, it, that's just how neural connections form. Uh, so when people have to watch you do things or watch someone else do them online, you lose that vital uh, aspect of of the learning process that uh, it can be ported to online but it is much much harder and much more Mm. work well anyway uh the most thing the the thing that i'm upset about the most is that because i won teacher of the month i had this sweet parking pass that gave me this like (laughs) next to the building entrance spot and now i'm online forever so i never get to use it (laughs) rigged totally rigged (laughs) anyway uh my teferi for the week besides all these incremental upsides is that we have some sweet magic coming up Kaladesh Commander Legends, eventually Kalheim. Uh, I'm really excited for this uh, Commander Legends sealed league. It's going to be sweet to to get to do some, you know, the combination of two of our favorite formats.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm probably gonna have to dust off the MTGO account for for Commander Legends as well because hmm. it's going to be a really cool format to draft and being able to merge our two format, our two favorite formats, like you said, it's going to be really really fun. Super excited. So let's get into our listener question of the week. This week we have one question from Rob Dies at the end. Um, his question is, what's your signature mistake for ZNR, be it a draft mistake or a gameplay mistake? For example, I attacked a Cliffhaven, sells- Cliffhaven Sword into a Core Celebrant twice in one day earlier this week. I think I also spent multiple early M21 drafts building magnificent mana-heavy blue-red prowess decks with go- uh, multiple goblin wizardries and ended up dead before I could do much at all.
1: Hmm, yeah, this is a cool question. I mean, first of all, multiple Goblin Wizardries, that, that, that's, a, that's always a fun time in itself. But yeah, going a little heavy there might not be the best way. Um, I've actually I've done something similar with Cliffhaven, Cell and Core Celebrant uh, because, you know, I, ideally, you don't want to attack a 3-1 into a 1-4. It doesn't always work out. But because Core Celebrant is such a crucial piece to the black-white decks, sometimes you can bluff through some damage Remember, we talked about bluffing a few episodes ago. People don't bluff enough. Uh, that being said, make sure you bluff a very specific trick. There's not actually a lot of tricks that pump in this format. There's a lot of ones that uh, like interact or uh, with a creature that's already in combat. Uh, practice tactics comes to mind, and that's not as effective as a bluff. Uh, but my signature mistake I, that I've kind of curbed at this point is attacking X1s into open blue mana. Uh, whether they Zulaport Duelist or Shell Shield for the plus three or um, any of the other number of random blue one drops in this format, of which they're actually a significant number, but Zulaport Duelist was the biggest one. Uh, I've actually kind of turned the tides to where I like drafting the Rogues deck a lot now, and now I've become the enemy and I'm the one flashing in Zulaport Duelists and (laughs) getting people's X1s.
0: Yeah, that card is a big gotcha card for sure. And it's weird because it doesn't feel like a combat trick, but it absolutely is
1: hmm yeah the way it it, it kind of all right so often the play pattern with it you will flash it in mid combat uh give their 2-1 minus 2-0 minus and then block with it uh in this case it's kind of like path to exile except it's better than that because it leaves behind an x1
0: yeah that's true
1: uh it's yeah, also kind of like card. the world's uh smallest chupacabra uh or or, uh, or shriek maw because it enters the battlefield and essentially just destroys a creature <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely—it's <laughs> it, not hard to set up a line where where duelist is a removal spell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For me, How about you? yeah, for me, this this question, um, I don't have a super specific answer, but I think the biggest mistake I've made in this format is, uh, when it comes to quick draft, I often will find myself trying to force like most recent quick draft I did, I opened, uh, some relatively mediocre rare. I can't remember which it was exactly, but uh, something that's like not super exciting. Uh, there was a Relic Vial in the pack, and then I think there was a good, like, a Royal Mage or something else was, like, the next best card. And I just took the Relic Vial and then was like, all right, I'm playing Clerics now. Like, I didn't even <laughs> consider the fact that I wasn't going to play the, the Relic Vial, which, yeah. uh, you know, anybody who listened to the last episode knows that um, that's, or not even last episode, but the the episode where we, we talked with Marshall, but um, it's not always best to, to just keep make sure you're keep you're playing your first pick that's generally not the way you want to go and forcing mm. yourself on your very first pick into a, a, a very specific archetype that requires multiple yeah. payoffs isn't a good idea so sometimes i get lazy and that's my i think my go-to signature mistake in, in znr
1: Mm -hmm. i caught myself drafting a little too fast sometimes uh absolutely quick draft does not mean draft fast
0: (laughs) yes i always draft better when i have someone like you to talk through my picks with even if you're not answering me like if i just talk about them uh i always draft better uh but Mm -hmm. you know yeah it just forces
1: you to think you know
0: Right, exactly, and it's it's really easy, especially on quick draft. And uh, I think it's actually easier in premier draft because you're timed. But it's really easy to just be like, "Yep, that's the card. That's the card. That's the card," and suddenly you're done with the draft, and you're like, "Wait a second, I didn't think about any of these picks."
1: <laughs> yeah, in premier drafts, I often like to kind of run the clock out a little bit and I kind of force myself to think about it. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to you know stall the draft table, but it's a nice little way to remind me uh don't just click on the first thing you see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I think we should get into our main topic for today, which is the Kaladesh Remastered Format Breakdown. So uh, what's going on in Kaladesh? What, what's up with this?
0: Yeah, so, so Kaladesh is a plane where there are all sorts of artificers. People are basically encouraged to be designers, builders, and creating different mechanical contraptions. Um, so at its core, this is kind of an artifact set. We're going to see a lot of artifacts. We're going to see decks... That uh, aren't blue and red. That will also wind up with a lot of utility (laughs) artifacts and vehicles. Vehicles is a new, uh, well, I say new, but it was new when this set came out. Uh, A a new creature type or 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 subtype for artifacts, and uh, it really changes the way that um, decks are designed and drafts are are drafted. So we'll we'll take a look at what all of the archetypes are looking to do. A quick note: we decided this. This format breakdown, we're gonna try something a little bit different. We're gonna shorten down our top commons and uncommon sections for each archetype. Usually, we do uh, five of each color for for the archetypes, but instead, we're gonna do three of each color and try to spend a little bit more time talking about like what the archetypes themselves are actually trying to do, rather than giving you these cards that may or may not you may or may not see when you're drafting. Um, I think if we talk about the the archetype itself. You'll get a little bit more of an inclination as to what you should be looking for when you're drafting, as opposed to trying to find these specific cards. Uh, and as mm-hmm. I mentioned, MTGA Zone posted a full article on the on the format, so definitely check that out if you want a written reference.
1: Just so you're not feeling like you're gypped, uh, I, I, it's actually going to be five cards total per archetype. Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah, uh, not three of each. yeah, yeah. So when, when we get to that section, I don't uh, want anyone shaking their fist at their podcast app angrily going like, "Hey." Where's my, where's my last card?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, my bad. It was, it was five that we finally agreed on. But Ben, yeah. why don't you walk us through the mechanics of the set? Because we've got a few brand new ones and a few that we haven't seen. Actually, a lot of them that we haven't seen since this set was released.
1: Yeah, so first up, we've got Fabricate. So when a creature with Fabricate enters the battlefield, you either place a number of counters on it or create a number of servos equal to the Fabricate number. So Fabricate 1 would mean that you get one counter or one servo. Three drops uh, that, you know... Make a slightly overcosted creature and a 1-1 are some of the best commons in the set. So think like Night Squad Commando from Ikoria or Avon Eternal from War of the Spark. This is often better than that because it gives you flexibility to choose. Uh, and that choice is important. Maybe you really want a 3-mana 3-3. Or maybe you really want a 3-mana 2-2 and a 1-1. Maybe if you have that bird in your hand, right, what is it, uh, uh, the Dawnfeather Eagle. If you have Dawnfeather Eagle in your hand, well, you can be like, oh, well, I'm going to want more creatures, so I get more value from this pump effect. But maybe you have a, a fight spell, so you really want to get a big creature to fight down an opponent's. Well, then uh, you can just make it big instead. This is a really sweet, uh, sweet mechanic that you know. I, I'm a big proponent for choice uh, because that's why making choices is fun. Like playing games is fun. You get to do things. Uh, this uh, plays well into that.
0: Yeah, definitely. The um, the fact that it makes creatures or buffs your creatures kind of leans into what we were talking about earlier with green-white being able to go wide or tall, and a number of decks can do that because a lot of the linchpins for those decks are cards that really make those decks tick are cards with Fabricate on them. So if the situation really wants you to go wide, you have the option. If it really wants you to get some single big creature that your opponent can't deal with, you also have that option. So... Yeah, fabricates a really cool mechanic, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen it since then. I guess because it fits the artifact theme, and we haven't really had an artifact-centric set yet uh, since. That's probably why we haven't seen it, but it's a good mechanic, and I'd like to see more of it.
1: So next up, something that we have seen uh, occasionally since then, vehicles. So vehicles are a special kind of creature. They're often pretty pushed or undercosted to make up for the fact that it has to be crewed to attack or block. So, you know, there's a little bit of fabricate synergy there. You get a bunch of extra creatures. You can, you know, crew these easier. So a vehicle that has crew three requires you to tap at least three power in creatures to attack or block with it. So you could tap uh, like a three mana three, three to crew three, or you could tap a, a uh, like a two power and a one power. Uh, they can all kind of team up to crew it together. So notably, you have to do this before the attack step um, or else you won't be able to swing with it. Which you know would suck. Vehicles are often colorless, and this makes them pretty high draft picks, so you won't see these very often. Uh, the most egregious of the uh, the vehicles from the set, Renegade Freighter and Smuggler's Copter, which were both just limited All Stars. It looks like these have been left out, and reasonably so. But a lot of the vehicles will still be pretty strong.
0: Yeah, we still have Aether Sphere Harvester, which was like one of the next next good ones, and a number of other ones that are that are going to be pretty solid. Sky Skiff comes to mind. But yeah, Renegade Freighter and Smuggler's Copter, probably good that they're not here. Smuggler's Copter was like almost immediately auto banned in like every format ever. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's probably better that they're not here, but vehicles are cool. Um, we'll see just how the format shakes out with them. This was the first set that they were introduced to to Magic. And we've seen, like Ben said, we've seen them since. But it'll be interesting to see the OG vehicles back in action and how they shake out with the, with the, the meta.
1: I didn't look to see if Heart of Kieran made it in. I didn't really focus on the Mythics too much. Oh, that's good. That'll be fun and historic. Hope of Gear Uh, appears in as well. Ugh, that one's annoying. (laughs) Next up, we've got Energy. So Energy is a resource outside the board state, like we mentioned, that can be gained and spent on effects. So some cards give you Energy, others require Energy to be spent while casting them or to activate abilities. So this mechanic is pretty much impossible for your opponent to interact with and can therefore be pretty strong. And it actually even got a few cards banned in standard. So watch out for cards that can both give and take energy. These can come together for uh, energy synergy. you know?
0: Yeah, there's not really a good way to mix those two words together. Energy synergy. Like I was trying to think of a way to put those together for a single word, but there just really isn't a good one. It's an
1: energy. It's an energy.
0: Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, energy is really cool. We haven't seen, as far as I can t- remember, we haven't seen these types of counters in Arena. Like we we haven't had poison in Arena. We haven't had... Experience in arena, we haven't had energy. So it's gonna be kind of interesting to see these like player tokens or player counters in action as well. And energy is kind of the lifeblood of this f- this format. You really almost every archetype is gonna to have to deal with energy in some way, shape, or form. And some of them can do more with the energy than others can, but every every color has ways to spend energy and ways to make it.
1: Yep. Next up, uh improvise. This is a bit of a smart mechanic in that only a handful of cards have it. And I think they're all like red or blue. I don't even think there's any mono blue ones. Um, but again, you can tap your artifacts to help you cast cards that have improvise. The, and next up, this isn't a mechanic so much as it's a general theme of the set, but counters. So primarily in green uh, and a bit in black too. But there's some other uh, things that have it. I'm just saying Ridge Scale Tusker for Draft Shack Hero. Like that's, that's <laughs> it. There's ways to add counters, creatures that trigger off counters. Especially uh, energy being a a kind of counter. Sometimes this interacts with that, sometimes it doesn't, but there's ways to give yourself additional counters of certain types. Uh, It's just a little bit of of, uh, synergy to keep an eye out for. And finally, the last keyword mechanic is revolt. Revolt is an ability that triggers if you've had a permanent leave the battlefield this turn. If that happens, you get an effect. So this is pretty easy to trigger when you have tokens running around and sacrifice effects all over the place. So uh, think about this with Fabricate. I've seen plays where occasionally you just attack with a 1-1 and your opponent doesn't want to block it because if uh, they know that you have a card in hand that has Revolt, that will you know kill one of their creatures if they happen to destroy it. So it, it, again, involves a lot of cool choices.
0: Definitely. Also, notably, it's it, the Revolt triggers if any permanent you control left the battlefield. Doesn't matter if it was exiled, destroyed... Uh, You sacked it. Uh, You could sack lands even. doesn't matter. The permanent type just needs to be a permanent, and it just needs to leave the battlefield.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's start up with our our first archetype here. Uh, I can take this one, because this is one that I'm a fan of. Uh, It's tangential to red-white warrior equipment nonsense. Uh, This is red-white vehicles. So what is this deck trying to do? Well, it wants to get in a car and smash. So uh, cheap creatures, ways that can crew vehicles easily, vehicle payoffs. This was the vehicle build around archetype right so uh, the signposts on comments for this are renegade wheelsmith this is one red white for a three two dwarf pilot how sick is that when it becomes tapped target creature can't block this turn well uh you know this thing attacks on its own pretty well if we say if your opponent has a two two and a one one you know just attack with this they can't block with the two two and then you're guaranteed to get in for three but notably this happens when it becomes tapped so if you crew a vehicle with this guy, uh, then you're still able to block down or, or uh, lock down one of your opponent's creatures so that it can't block this turn, making sure that your vehicle can uh, cruise through safely for some damage.
0: Cruise? Because it, it's crewing? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> also... Next um, we've got a... Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I just wanted to quickly mention, uh, we're going to be talking about two signpost uncommons for each of these archetypes because mm. the two kind of... Aether Revolt and Kaladesh coming together kind of gave us one each, uh, two two for each uh,
1: archetype. Yeah, I really like that they included both and not just one of each. Um, Signpost Uncommons and build arounds like this are often some of my favorite things to do in the set. And plus, this lets you get some really sweet decks together. I don't think there's ever been, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to go into the math about the density of these in in any particular format, but it's going to be fun. Um, Notably, with this uh, Red White Vehicles deck, you're going to want to look for things that care about your creatures being tapped. Right. so um when your uh, renegade wheelsmith becomes tapped it you know prevents one of your opponent's creatures from blocking uh, there's other cards in this uh, in the set that care about becoming tapped so you're going to look for those because maybe if you have a creature that says for example uh when this creature becomes tapped it deals one to each opponent uh, that actually does exist uh we saw it earlier if you have a vehicle you can activate that ability, even if you're not going to attack or block with the vehicle, or even if the vehicle has already been crewed. So if, for example, you uh, crew a vehicle with a certain creature, maybe a Renegade Wheelsmith, uh, to you know, lock down one of your opponent's things, you could then crew it again to ping them in for one extra damage if your 3-2 wasn't going to be able to make it across on the board as is. Know, there's some pretty cool corner cases you can do with this. So uh, our second signpost on common here is Veteran Motorist. This is red-white for a 3-1 dwarf pilot. When it enters the battlefield, scry 2. That's a cool little effect for a red-white card. And when it crews a vehicle, that vehicle gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. Yeah, yeah. it's good.
0: Yeah, it's not too shabby. The scry is really powerful. I remember this card being uh, pretty sweet in, in the vehicle decks. And Buffing the vehicles helps them get through all the all the generic stuff that you really want to see in a red white deck, and getting that filtering is going to be pretty solid too.
1: Mm-hmm. Notably, both of these dwarf pilots have three power, so they're both pretty good at piloting. Uh, the scry too helps you find whatever you need, whether it's a vehicle or if you need to hit some lands to get to your vehicles. Uh, and you know, I, I think this card is going to suffer a little bit without um, uh, the the freighter in the set, the the doom train or whatever. <laughs> I forget what people call that. I'm sure that had some fun names from, from back then. Running in good favor, sadly not in this, but um, this will still be good with a lot of the other cards. Uh, I don't like this crewing a Skyskiff, but some of the bigger, uh, thicker vehicles, uh, they can get in for a lot of damage, and that's kind of where you want to be with this. Uh, that being said, Skyskiff is still totally playable. That's uh, Well, now as we start getting into our top commons and uncommons, it's two mana for a 2-3 vehicle with flying and crew one. So this is a really easy one to crew with a servo. If you have mm-hmm. a fabricate card, uh, let it come in, make a servo, and then uh, that servo can, you know, hop right in the sky skiff, start slamming for uh, for two in the air. And that way it kind of mitigates the effect of having to tap down a creature when it's a creature you don't really care about, like a 1-1.
0: Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, though. I'm, I'm pretty sure you could crew vehicles with
1: vehicles. Is that right? yeah so if you want to have your car drive another car uh that technically does work because um,
0: you can chain basically you could you could have a one one like a servo jump in your sky skiff and then have your sky skiff crew a bigger vehicle that maybe has like five power or something so uh yeah because they're like incremental upgrades each each time generally when you're crewing a vehicle you're not going down or at par as far as power is concerned you're usually getting something extra out of it um so yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting, interesting interaction, but yeah, sky skips great and you do feel bad crewing it with anything other than a one, one, but you know, two, three flyer sometimes you need it to get over and, uh, get out of those board stalls. So it's good mm-hmm.
1: stuff. So next up we've got, uh, Gearshift ACE. So this is one of the white for another dwarf pilot. It's a two, one, has is first strike. And when it crews a vehicle, that vehicle gains first strike. There's a red version of this card too, that gives it a haste. So, you know, these are some nice little vehicle, uh, payoffs. That way, if you have a vehicle, the biggest problem you could have is if you have like a four-four vehicle. You just put a bunch of time and effort. You crewed it. You tap one of your creatures down. Now that creature can't block. You're going to attack with this, so it can't block. Um, you're worried about getting it double blocked down. Well, if it has first strike, uh, you're not going to have to worry about that. Yep. Next up, we've got Built to Last, and it's uh, its friend Built to Smash. So this is uh, Built to Last is one white for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If it's an artifact creature, it gains indestructible until end of term. Speaking of ways to make sure your vehicles don't die, uh, yeah, this is one of them.
0: Yeah, combat tricks in this format are certainly something to keep your eye out on, because especially these decks, the the more aggressive vehicle-based decks, they are going to have them, and a lot of them are going to be blowouts.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we got built to smash. That's one in a red, or sorry, that's just one red for an instant Target attacking creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. If it's an artifact creature, uh, it gains trample until end of turn. Now, notably, this one has to be used during combat only for an attacker, while the white one can be used at any time. That being said, I mean, ideally you want to be using this during combat anyway. Three, three and trample for one red? This is, like, situationally better than a giant growth.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you're worried your pump spells don't really get there because, well, they block it, and yeah, okay, they, they just took all the damage, but... This gives it trample, so you know your ridge scale tusker is getting in for a lot more. And in this case, maybe it's your sky skiff or your your motorist or whatever. But yeah, that that trample keyword there is big.
1: Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to put artifact creatures in your deck with this too. Uh, you know, don't just expect to have your vehicles because vehicles are sometimes must kill targets anyway. Especially because the best ones in the set will be the uncommons and they're a little bit pushed. So uh, I recommend putting in some of the. Random common artifact creatures in red and white as well to gain those benefits from the trample and indestructible clauses of the built cycle. So next up, uh, and last but not least, we have Aether Chaser. This is one of the best red commons in its set. This is one in a red for a 2-1 human artificer with first strike. Oh, already, uh, not a bad card. When it enters the battlefield, you get 2 energy. I like this even more. And when it attacks, you can pay 2 energy. If you do, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. This card is awesome.
0: Yeah, I think one of one of the issues that some of these cards that say when it attacks do pay X energy and and get a thing, a lot of times the issue with them is that they they attack once they get eaten or chumped or whatever, um, maybe not chumped, but they get traded for, and you get that effect one time. Aether Chaser it, it's a two mana two one with first strike, so it's kind of hard to block on curve anyway. So you might actually get in get it you know one or two extra servers with this if you have other ways to generate energy.
1: Mm-hmm. So next up, let's talk about Blue Red Artifacts. You wanna, you wanna take this one, Zach? This feels like more your speed.
0: Yeah, so Blue Red Artifacts is one of my favorite archetypes in this format, um, for sure. Basically, the whole idea here is you wanna generate as many artifacts as you can, usually this is through servos or thopters, and sack them for value, incidental value, or getting ahead on other resources, maybe generating energy, things like that. So our first signpost uncommon is Whirler Virtuoso, one of my favorite cards from its original set. This is 1 blue-red for a 2-3 Vidalkin Artificer at Uncommon, and when Whirler Virtuoso enters the battlefield, you get 3 energy, and then it has pay 3 energy, so that's, that's the cost for, for an ability it has. Pay 3 energy, create a 1-1 one, one colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying. So 3 energy for a 1-1 one, one flyer feels like it's not enough, but if you can put the energy together, if you're able to just generate more and more energy, uh, you... The Virtuoso pumps out Thopters, and they can be really hard to deal with. Especially...
1: Yeah. Uh, this card is a lot better than it looks. Yeah. Uh, three, three mana, two, three. It looks a little strange. Um, but think of it this way. Even if you kill it with its end of the battlefield uh, like trigger on the stack, you're still getting some kind of value from this. Um, yeah. Even if you try to kill it uh, with its end of the battlefield trigger on the stack, maybe you, it has other energy already laying around that it can make to make a Thopter. And if you happen to let it live for a turn, well, then this can pump out one Thopter and then pump out as many more as you have energy. Yeah,
0: this is also kind of a threat of activation to a degree, where you can stockpile energy, and the second they pump that your opponent points a, a removal spell at it, you just okay, I'll cash all that energy in, and now I have you know infinite Thopters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Realistically, unless you are trying really hard and you're able to get like one of the rares like DynaVolt Tower or something, you're probably going to be making what maybe two three thopters off of this throughout the course of a game if you have really no other ways to to use up your energy but it can be it can be more than it sounds this card does a lot more than it sounds like it does
1: mm-hmm. one one flyers are pretty good in this format yeah
0: so next up is maverick Thopters. this is our second signpost uncommon this is three blue red for a human artificer at uncommon it's a two two with improvise. So you can tap artifacts to pay for the generic cost, which we saw. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you create two 1-1 Dopters with flying. So uh, we saw this in our, our crack-a-draft type thing. Solid card. I mean, a 5-mana 2-2 sounds awful, but it's really a 5-mana 4-4 and often doesn't cost 5-mana. So just another really solid card. Um, it's also worth noting the Artificer subtype for creatures is... Uh, relevant. There are a lot of cards that care about artificers, so keep that in mind as well. So getting into our top commons and uncommons for this archetype, the first is uh, one of my favorite cards of the set, actually, Aether Swooper. This is one in a blue for a 1-2 Vidalcan artificer at common. It has flying. When it enters the battlefield, you get two energy. And when an Aether Swooper attacks, you may pay two energy. If you do, you create a 1-1 colorless servo creature token. So it's a 1-1 artifact that uh, doesn't have flying as opposed to the Thopters. But this card's great. It's a 2-mana 1-2 flyer, which is fine, and it gives you another 1-1 on top of it if you need it. Otherwise, it just generates energy and makes your Whirler Virtuoso better. There's not really anything to dislike about this card.
1: Mm-hmm. This one on turn 2 is almost guaranteed to get in on turn 3, right? Unless they happen to be able to play and crew a skiff. Now, like you said about the uh, uh, the Aether Chaser, it's good to have uh, keyword abilities that let them get in. That way you can you know get some value off this in the early game or the late game. This one in particular is very good. Like we mentioned, cheap creatures that make more than one body, uh, especially that are, uh, if you add up all the power and, and toughness that are a little uh, good for the vanilla test, that beat the vanilla test, they tend to be some of the best cards in the set. And this ends up being two mana for two, three worth of power and toughness over two bodies, one of which has flying. That's really good. Yeah,
0: and then for your troubles, either Super wears counters very well and... Uh, any other pump spells uh, if you happen to be running any with this this archetype. Next up, we have Thriving Turtle. We talked about this already, but basically it's the one mana O3 turtle at common that generates two energy and you can pay two energy to put a counter on it when it attacks. Uh, again, this in this deck especially, it's probably just gonna be generating energy for you and gumming up the board, but that's exactly what this deck wants. You want a maximum energy, so you can dump that into your World of Virtuosos and um, some of your other cards, which we're gonna get to in just a moment where the energy goes a lot farther than just getting that one counter next up is whirler maker we also saw this in our crack draft type thing this is the three mana artifact at uncommon that has a uh, four tap create one color uh, create a one one colorless thopter creature token with flying again this just pumps out creatures uh, pumps out your flyers and late game this is a house and eventually you're able to create so many thopters your opponent can't deal with it great way to spend mm-hmm. your mana late game
1: yep a little better than it seems. Not great side of that against aggressive decks, but uh, good card. Yeah. Next Speaking up is, of good cards. Exactly.
0: Next up is Harnessed Lightning. This is one in a red for an instant at Uncommon. It says choose target creature. You get three energy, then you may pay any amount of energy. Harness Lightning deals that much damage to that creature.
1: Uh, Harness Lightning. Lightning. I have not anybody? missed you. <laughs> yeah, so... The thing is, this can be better than a Lightning Strike, or it can be a little worse than a Lightning Strike, depending on what you need. So I've seen people play this as 1 on a red, get 3 energy, and then pay 0, because they wanted to use it all to make a 1-1 Thopter from their Whirler Virtuoso. I've also seen people that had 3 energy laying around beforehand, so it was 1 in a red, uh, they got 3, and then paid 6 to kill a huge threat that was on the board.
0: Yep, and especially this deck that... that- tends to want to stockpile energy like that that's not going to be a super uncommon occurrence where harness lightning is getting more than three energy worth of damage out
1: mm-hmm. not a super uncommon occurrence but this is a super uncommon uh, uh, uh anyway <laughs> hey, uh first pick this as often as you can
0: yeah i mean there are probably cards that i'd first pick over it but uh, i i have to get my hands on the format really but harness lightning is one of the best removal spells in the format
1: like yeah uh, this There's a handful of Gearhulks and other rares and mythics I'd take over it, but this will be one of the best red removal spells in the format.
0: Definitely. Next up, and certainly uh, not least here, is our Quicksmith Genius. This is two and a red for a human artificer at Uncommon. It's a 3-2. And whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So here's some payoff for getting all those stopters created, getting the servers created, get to loot through, and um I guess this is a rummage, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Technically, it's a rummage. You, you get to rummage <laughs> through
0: your deck and uh, keep keep the the power coming. Get rid of those lands and really make sure mm-hmm. that your your deck is firing on all cylinders.
1: Here's a little uh level up for everyone. If you have one of these in your deck, don't play out that last land. Just keep it in your hand. Maybe it'll top deck a Quicksmith Genius, and then you can activate your Whirler Maker. You're gonna want something in your hand to discard, and if you have nothing and you played a land last turn, you're gonna feel bad. Yeah. What's up? Next, next up. Though? We got one of my favorites, red green uh, smash. I don't know. I don't know what to call this one, but it wants to attack. So red green, unsurprisingly, uh, I, I think this is a little bit before red green started to get some of its um, its better archetypes and its better build arounds. Sometimes red green suffers from what mono white suffers from in constructed and and commander. Sometimes people talk about which is a lack of a direction. Uh, the difference is that. The lack of white di- white's direction leads it to being uh, like, kind of bad, like maybe a life gainy, like relatively unplayable deck, whereas sometimes red-green's lack of direction leads to just huge creatures that can still end games pretty effectively. Uh, for example, take Outland Boar, our first signpost uncommon. This is two red-green for a 4-4 boar. Can't be blocked by creatures of power two or less. Gee, That's I wonder it. I don't know what this is supposed <laughs> to do hmm this one isn't too complicated no energy here uh sometimes in kaladesh you want to take a break from all the aqu- like artifacts and doctors and energy and nonsense and just turn some things sideways and uh, outland boar it gets the job done i, I love this card in the format four four is uh perfect size stats uh a lot there's a lot of three threes and then smaller things in this format this makes it so that a three-three and a one-one can't block it because it has to. It can't. It can't be blocked by creatures of power two or less. Uh, they really should just keyword this by now, right? Like, what wasn't there yeah. a data leak or something saying that they gave it a, a name like towering or something?
0: Yeah, there's like I think this and also the um, deals combat damage with toughness instead of power in yeah. Arena's code has they have keywords coded in, but they're not used.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm, I know it exists. Uh, I forget. And this is a pretty, this is like a recurring thing, right? Um, we see this come up pretty often. And I mean, I feel like this is, might be on as many creatures as uh, like Menace, and they keyworded Menace, right? Before that used to be a keyword thing, right?
0: Yeah, it's, I, I'm sure we'll see it. I imagine they probably put it in the code on the on Arena because it's coming in a set that they've already designed. Because if you don't know, the, the Magic design team designs like three or four sets ahead of what we're actually using so like kaldheim has been designed for years now already
1: mm-hmm. so uh, our second uncommon here is voltaic brawler this is red green for a 3-2 human warrior already some sweet stats when it enters the battlefield you get two energy and when it attacks you may pay one energy if you do it gets plus one plus one and gains trample until end of term another beautiful little design here this is a two-mana creature that attacks as a 4-3 for the first two turns. And then if you happen to find other ways to get energy to keep it going, it's a f- two-mana creature that attacks as a 4-3 for as long as you need it to. I love Voltaic Brawler as well.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, Ben. It doesn't seem like that obvious what Red Green's trying to do here. Might need to hit me over the head with it.
1: <laughs> Just once, I'd like to see Red Green have like a defensive deck. Uh, I know a long time ago. I believe it was old Zendikar. Could like original Zendikar. Could be mistaken, but I believe Red White Walls was like the archetype, and it was like uh, it was fun. I know I have like a Red White Walls deck in my like online deck build somewhere. I'll have to try to f- find that. But maybe someday they will do that with Red Green. Anyway, our top commons and uncommons. Uh, I'm gonna get tired of talking about Ridge Scale Tusker. No, you won't. But it's in here. <laughs> That's true. I won't. It's in here just on sheer power and toughness. Um, maybe I should have gotten rid of it and included something else instead. Nah, I just love talking about this thing. This card is awesome. Um, now imagine putting counters on either of the Outland bo- or, or Voltaic Brawler. They're already remove like, must-kill threats as is, right? Uh, and they're already tough to kill because you can't really kill them with combat damage. This, uh, this red-green deck is very good at going bigger than what your opponent is trying to do. And then it has a little bit of evasion, uh, in both of our, our, things here as well our next common uh, this is a nice one rip tiger rip Aryan tiger uh, people use just call it rip tiger that's the, the slang for it uh, this is three green green for a four four cat you get a nice Tony the tiger art there uh, it has trample and when it enters the battlefield you get two energy when it attacks you may pay two energy and it gets plus two plus two until end of term this was uh, this is kind of the original colossal dread I'll say <laughs>
0: yeah I guess so
1: a little bit harder to turn on, but you know this is a 5-drop that attacks as a 6-6, six, six, Trample. And uh, even if it just stays as a 4-4 four, four for the turns after that, it's whatever. You get some more energy, it goes back to a 6-6. Six, six. Nice way to use energy in the late game. Definitely. Next up, we've got my favorite removal spell in the format, Monstrous Onslaught. This is 3 green-green for a sorcery. Monstrous Onslaught deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures where X is the greatest power among um, um, creatures you control as you cast this spell. That's huge. So let's imagine how this goes. Let's say you had the, uh, the dream draw where you just played a Ridge Scale Tusker, and you have a 5-5. Five, five. This is now 5 mana, deal 5 damage, divided as you choose. So you may have noticed that there's a lot of uh, X-1s laying around. Uh, there's also a lot of thicker creatures, like 3-3s, 4-4s, 5-5s. So this is a very versatile card, and it plays off of Red Green's evasion ability as well. For example, if they have a a 2-2, if they have like a a 3-2, all right, let's see. They have a 3-2 and a 3-2, right? Uh, You want your Outland Boar to be able to get in, so you just Monstrous Onslaught down their two two creatures, and then Outland Boar can just swing right past their servos. Or if you have a big creature that doesn't have Trample, something like a Ridge Scale Tusker, you just uh, divide this among all their servos, and then they're forced to chump with a real creature, like a 3-3 or a 4-4. Mazda's Onslaught, at best, is a plague wind. If you, for some reason, have like a 6-6, their board just goes away. Uh, now, the downside of this card is if they have nothing, this does nothing. So it's a very, uh, very, very high ceiling, but the floor is kind of low as well
0: yeah i mean if you don't have any creatures on your side of the t- on your side of the board too it's just a, a dead card if you have a, only a servo or something it's a dead card so there are the floor is definitely pretty low but the ceiling is very very high and it's worth noting the way this is templated it because it, it tracks greatest power among creatures you control as it's cast it can't be interrupted by uh, opposing removal spells your opponents can't destroy your ridge scale tusker and then prevent you from dealing that five damage or lower the amount that you're dealing because it mm. counts that as it's cast
1: yeah <laughs> sweet design now if you want a slightly more reliable removal spell you could just use chandra's revolution this is three and a red for a sorcery deals four damage to target creature tap target land that land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step kind of weird to see on a on a red sorcery usually the weird like red four drop sorcery that interacts with the land somehow is unplayable and it might have something like can't block or or other nonsense on it but this one's quite good and uh preventing your opponent from curving out properly is a way for this red green deck to further punish you uh your opponent with these big slightly evasive creatures yeah and then finally heart. i was just gonna
0: say it's a weird bit of disruption to see on a red card but it it is disruption and it will do the job
1: right next up, we've got harness lightning uh Sometimes these red and green cards can make some energy, and then uh, this Rip Tiger and other things like that. But you not you don't always have good ways of using it. A Voltaic Brawler is one of them, but sometimes you wind up with just too much, and then Harness Lightning can you know just get in, take out their biggest creature, and again uh, let your other things smash in for a bunch. That brings
0: us to blue green energy value, which of course is one of my favorite archetypes as well in this format and just about any format. Um, the, I, the overall theme here is to play efficient creatures that give energy, use energy, and then eventually over, just overtaking the game with, with sheer value. So our first signpost uncommon is Imperial Voyager. This is one green blue for a two, three Vidalcan scout. It has flying and trample. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you get that many energy. So this mm-hmm. is the card that really pays you off for having ways to spend energy and ways to maybe buff this. I think seeing trample on a on a two power creature is kind of like w- a little weird, but with all the servos and thopters flying around, well, this is going to chip in for damage and gain you an energy a turn or whatever. And uh, overall, it's a solid card and very, very heavily hints at what you should be doing if you're in blue green. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I like the trample on this. It makes pump spells a little better if they try to block it down or something like that. Um, like you said, it prevents them from just chumping it with a, a random thop through every turn, preventing you from getting that energy engine going.
0: Definitely. And since it's in green, the pump spells are going to be relatively easy to come by too if you want to get that kind of thing going. And it wears counters well as mm-hmm. well. Our next uh, signpost in common for blue-green here is Rogue Refiner. This is one blue-green for a 3-2 as opposed to a 2-3 this time around. It's a human rogue, and whenever Rogue Refiner enters the battlefield, draw a card, and you get two energy. Yeah, this is just everything I want to be doing.
1: (laughs) It's too good for standard, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, they. I mean, we'll see how it does in Historic, but...
1: Well, Rogue Refiner is very strong. I mean, creatures that replace themselves historically have been... Good and limited, right? Uh, who doesn't like drawing cards with a reasonable body left behind? And then, because that's not quite good enough for a blue-green card, uh, you get some energy on top of it. Now that I think of it, this was the first blue-green card that should have made everyone start to go, "This is the wait sign. a minute." <laughs> this people should have been like, "Hold on, something, something's happening here. Why does blue-green get to do all this stuff for three mana?"
0: Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I think it's funny looking back, like hindsight twenty twenty. This probably should have been the point <laughs> where alarm bells started going off. Like, what's design up to? Yeah, I'm really yeah. sad that that blue green has been the color or the 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 color pair that has gotten hit so hard with this kind of stuff like design has run so rampant with this color pair because it's my favorite and I feel awful saying that it's my favorite now because they've done this <laughs> with like Oko or yeah Oko and Uro and all that.
1: Yeah, that and now everyone just can kind of assume they'll be like, "Oh, you like blue green? Oh, right. so you're you're an awful person. You like playing like Uro and you like playing Oko and curving rogue refiner into bristling hydra and that kind of thing
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i am but
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, anyway. no, it's a great play style i mean it's a lot of fun i've cast my fair share of okos too but you know i've
0: actually never cast oko fun
1: fact really mm-hmm. well, i've cast them unlimited all the time well not all the time uh, i will say um turn three oko unlimited is uh, an easy way to a 7-0 <laughs> yeah
0: it <makes> sense. <laughs> Well, that brings us to our top commons and uncommons for blue green here. Uh, of course, we have Aether Swooper. This is the the two mana one two flyer that gets you energy and then creates the, uh, servos when you attack with it and spend energy. Um, another we have is Shipwreck Moray. This is three in a blue for an O five fish at common. When it when Shipwreck Moray enters the battlefield, you get four energy and then you can pay one energy and Shipwreck Moray gets plus two minus two until end of turn. I love this card.
1: So, uh, if you'll indulge me <clears throat> when the moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie, that's a shipwreck moray. Eh? Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Shipwreck moray is cool. Uh, it has this, uh, this little eel effect, right? Where it can pop out of its hole, smack in for some damage and then, you know, hide back and, and go on the defense too. So this is a versatile card and four energy is a lot. Even if you just play this as a defender, that gets you a bunch of energy to trigger your other stuff. I mean, Whirler Virtuos is a big fan of this.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The The fun part of the, about this is threat of activation, right? You can hold on to energy, and as long as you're not pumping this more than twice a turn, you know, so it doesn't kill itself, um, you are still able to threaten having this four-power creature sitting around, and mm-hmm. that stops a lot of attacks. Our Yeah, next... it's useful. Yeah. Our next card here is long Tusk Cub. This is one of my pet cards for the set. Uh, it's one green... For a two-two cat, so two mana two-two cat. Whenever Longtusk Cub deals combat damage to a player, you get two energy, and then you can pay two energy to put a one-one counter on it. So this wears counters very well. It wears Trample very well. Any kind of evasion, Longtusk Cub is very happy with. But the fact that it's its own self-sustaining engine is really, really cool, and one of my favorite cards. Why it's one of my favorite cards in the set.
1: Mm-hmm. Many games will end immediately following a turn to Longtusk Cub. This thing, if you do not kill it uh, and you do not prevent er, you prevent it from hitting you once, uh, imagine how this plays out, right? It gets in for two and then you get its two energy. And then, well, then it's attacking as a three, three. So then you're like, wait a minute, I didn't play anything that can block it still. Uh, and then it gets bigger and bigger every turn and it fuels itself. And if you ever even manage to get something down that can block it, well, by turn four or five, the green decks can usually get some other energy sources. So then it's up to like a six, six or a seven, seven. And, you know, any two two that can grow into a seven seven is just fine in my book
0: yeah honestly the it's kind of funny too because they could have they could have written this card in such a way that it was like you know when this deals combat damage to a player get two energy this turn you can pay to do a thing whatever something Mm -hmm. like that but the fact that it self-sustains and any other energy sources you have will also help this get bigger it's just it's just an A+. I mean, not actually an A+, as far as like, limited is concerned, but from a design perspective, I think it's, it's an A+.
1: Yeah. So imagine that you like top-deck an Aether Swooper or a Shipwreck Moray later. I mean, maybe their abilities aren't great in the Super League game, Shipwreck Moray a little bit more so. But Aether Swooper, maybe you're, it's outclassed by your opponent's flyers. Well, it's still ETBs to get you two energy, and then Long Tusk Cub just sucks that energy right up into a counter. So uh, it's a, a very versatile card. Absolutely.
0: Next up is Riparian Tiger. This is the the four man, uh, sorry, five mana four four with Trample that gets you two energy and buffs itself plus two plus two when you pay two when it attacks. Um, just as good here as pretty much any of the other green decks. Um, our next card is the green Thriving card. So the green card from the Thriving Cycle. This is Thriving Rhino. It's two and a green for a two three Rhino at common. When you when Thriving Rhino enters the battlefield, you get two energy and whenever thriving fright yeah thriving rhino attacks you put you may pay two energy if you do you put a 1 1 counter on it so all the thriving creatures do this but um, this is a 3 mana f- 3 4 basically
1: mhm now imagine turn 2 long tusk cub turn 3 thriving rhino right so now even uh, even if your opponent has presented a 3 3 your long tusk cub assuming that it got in the first turn is threatening to attack as a 4 4 and then if you don't need to maybe you can pump it once and then save that other two energy for your thriving rhino so having this resource pool that you're constantly adding to and then having threat of activation from uh, is one of the ways that the blue-green deck can you know, start to smash in early. Yeah, definitely. Next up, we've got White Black Revolt. Uh, this is a spin on the usual like, white-black theme. Uh, sometimes we see like graveyard or aristocrats uh, sacring, sacrificing creatures for value or to drain life. This is a little bit different. So Revolt, uh, as we mentioned, triggers when something is, has left the battlefield this turn under your control. So, uh, this involves things entering and leaving. And there's a bit of a token sub-theme as well. So, the signpost on Commons, uh, we've got Restoration Gearsmith. This is one of my pet cards in the set. Big fan of Restoration Gearsmith, because it's uh, I mean, it's kind of like an Ewit. It's kind of like Eternal Witness. Uh, this is 2 white-black for a 3-3 human artificer. When it enters the battlefield, return target artifact or creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Good, clean value.
0: Yeah, it's not really anything sad to say about this card. It's Just getting you, it'll get you an artifact, gets your creature. Like, yeah, any anything that, and it's a good body for format. I mean, it's it doesn't pass the vanilla test, right? But when it draws you a card that's not a dud, yeah, um, and then leaves a nice body around, I'm I'm all in for it.
1: Yeah. Next up, we've got Hidden Stockpile. This is white black for an enchantment. It has revolt at the beginning of your end step. If a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, create a one one colorless servo artifact creature token. And it has, pay one, sacrifice a creature to scry one. So if you can get this going, it's an engine. Uh, If something on your battlefield left uh, the turn when this comes in, you get that first servo. And then you can think of this almost as a permanent chump blocker for a non-trampling creature. Uh, If they've got a 10-10, you can just put your servo in front of it every turn, sacrifice it to scry one, uh... Oh, wait, sorry, no, this is on, on your end step. So you have to be a little bit more creative about how you do that. Um, let me reevaluate this then. It, it's still good. You can use it almost as a permanent attacker. That's a little better for what you're trying to do. Got a board full of X1s that don't be afraid to swing in with it. But uh, you can still use this as a, a, a cool little block and sack engine, even if you're not you know, churning out a new one every single turn. And uh, you can do this every one of your turns too. So you can you know, use your servo from last turn, pay one, sacrifice it, and then you get a new one at the, at the end step. So uh, you can think about this as pay one to scry one every turn. And then if you're having your creatures revolt anyway, if your things are leaving or entering, you get maybe an additional 1-1 one, one or, one, one, or uh, maybe a handful of 1-1 one, one servos.
0: Yeah, I guess the most notable things like Ben mentioned is that it only triggers on your end step, uh, but it does trigger multiple times. Most of the revolt cards in this set are... Uh, as this enters the battlefield, if you if a creature or permanent left the battlefield, do whatever. Uh, this one does trigger every turn, um, but it only triggers on your turn, and it doesn't care how many permanents left the field. It only cares that something did leave, so you're not going to get, like, if you, if you trade off three creatures, you're not going to get three servos.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, a nice little way to get some value off of your creatures dying, incidentally, right? Like, if your opponent points a removal spell at your bomb... Well, you can just sack it, and then at least you're getting something out of it, right? So, some of the top commons and uncommons for this. We've got Vengeful Rebel. This is two and a black for an Aetherborn Warrior. Uh, It's a 3-2. So, first of all, Aetherborn is a really cool creature type that we see in this set. Uh, They're, I believe, always black, but they're Some of them can be kind of vampire-esque, but uh, they're these beings made of pure aether that they live really short lives. They live, uh, I think, like four years in the lore. So they're often doing cool or, or, you know, uh, over-the-top nonsensical things, uh, whether it's being a ridiculous assassin or a a vampire or just throwing parties, uh, depending on which of them it is. So this one seems to have chosen to live a life of crime as uh, (laughs) it has revolt. When it enters the battlefield, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, target creature an opponent controls gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. I mean, this essentially has ETV kill a creature, right? So if you uh, send some creatures into combat and your opponent decides to make a trade-off, well, then a creature you control left the battlefield and this comes in and minus three, minus three can kill pretty much anything that matters in this format.
0: Yeah, and if you're... If you're uh, sequencing this in such a way that you're making an attack they're blocking with, say, say you send your 3-3 in and they block with their 6-6, well, Vengeful is going to finish that off. So yeah, you, you can either take down just about anything regardless, or you can sequence it such that you can take down something pretty big.
1: Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got a value card. This is Gifted Aetherborn. This is black black for a 2-3 Death Touch Lifelink. It's an Aetherborn Vampire. So this is the kind of thing that you want to have sitting around on the battlefield. Uh, black, white can make use of some of these value cards because you can get them back and then sacrifice them for good effects. Uh, maybe you want to care more about ones that have like ETBs, but I think this one's good enough that when you can get it in the deck, it's going to be pretty strong. Also, uh, we've got Conviction. So I don't often advocate for putting auras in your limited decks. They have to have a pretty significant role, especially because they can get blown out easily. This one mitigates that. So Conviction is one in a white. It's an aura. It has enchant creature, and enchanted creature gets plus one, plus three. Now, normally that's not very good, but hear me out. It also has pay one white, return it to its owner's hand. That's return the aura, not the creature. So if you're about to have your creature removed by removal spell, you can pay a white, return this to your hand, and then stick it on something else later on. Not bad, but uh, the more important part is that this is a reliable way to trigger revolt. Without relying on your opponent's killing your things or blocking in a certain way or you sacrificing one of your creatures this is a nice way where if you have enough revolt uh, payoffs you can kind of just do this on your own
0: yeah absolutely and it's interesting because this is it gives you know we're used to seeing these effects be like give plus one plus one or give plus two plus two or something and this is a plus one plus three which means not only do you have a creature now that is uh maybe trading off or an aura that you can bounce when you want to but it's making your creatures pretty big. You slap this on like a, a thriving turtle or something. Yeah, it's like it's not going anywhere anytime soon.
1: Super thick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so next up we've got Restoration Specialist. That's one of the white for a 2-1 Dwarf Artificer. You can pay a white, sacrifice Restoration Specialist, and return up to one target artifact and one target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So, like we mentioned, there's artifacts and there's even some enchantments running around in this set. This is a good way to get them back, and notably, this does trigger revolt.
0: Yeah, also worth mentioning, like, reading return up to one art, like, return an artifact card to your hand, feels like not the best effect because, you know, how often are there artifacts that you actually care about? But again, this set, there are plenty of artifacts and a lot of them are already creatures, so you can. Oftentimes, like probably more than half the time, read this as return up to one target creature.
1: Mm-hmm. This is versatile. And if you draw it in the late game, it's a, a, an early drop that still has some relevance, right? You could play it, sacrifice it, and get back. Maybe you, uh, I don't know, milled over an enchantment or they blew up your, uh, maybe they, they somehow blew up your hidden stockpile. And then you can also get back, say, I don't know, a, a good sized artifact creature or even a vehicle. Definitely. So next up, we've got Aviary Mechanic. This is one of the white for a 2-2 dwarf artificer. When it enters the battlefield, you may return another permanent you control to its owner's hand. Wow, uh, revolting, uh, if you will. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, so this is an easy way to rebuy an enters the battlefield effect, uh, as we see in some of these. Imagine returning Restoration Gearsmith to your hand. Uh, the value, right? Um, of course, you could also just return a land in the late game or in the mid game. Uh, not the early game, not really what you want to do there but uh, you could return a land or a permanent you don't care too much about, and that'll trigger all your revolt creatures for the turn.
0: Yeah, well, that brings us up to our black green archetype, and I have good news for you. If you were somebody who really wanted to draft blue uh, black green counters in Zendikar Rising, <laughs> well, now you get the opportunity, because here's a format where that archetype is actually well-supported. Uh, that's right, black green in this format is black green counters, it cares about plus one, plus one counters, and nothing else. Uh, so we have one of the best black green counters signpost uncommons We've pretty much ever seen, uh, in winding constrictor. This is black green for a two, three. So it's already beating the vanilla test. It's a snake at uncommon. And it says if one or more counters would be put on an artifact or creature you control that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are put on that permanent instead. If you would get one or more counters, you get that many plus one, Uh, of each of those counters instead as well so it gives you an additional uh energy every time you would get an energy it gives all your creatures additional 1-1 counters anytime they would get 1-1 counters there's really nothing bad to say about this card as far as this archetype is concerned if you're drafting this Um, deck you want mm -hmm. this card
1: you know i actually do have something bad to say about this uh if you're playing this in modern and you get an infect counter you actually get one of those uh, additional infect counters as well no i'm kidding this card's insane i love winding Constructor. Uh, I've brewed so many bad decks around this, and I plan on brewing so many more.
0: Yeah, we've gotten a lot of, lot more cards since the last time this this card was poking its nose around. Mm-hmm.
1: Notably, this means that there are now eight two-mana effects that give extra counters. Uh, there's the Selesnia one, the green-white one now as well. So uh, I'm going to be trying out some historic counters, and it's not going to be good, but it is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one who will be brewing those decks. Mm-hmm. Our next signpost uncommon for black green is hazardous conditions. This is two black green for a sorcery at uncommon, and it says creatures with no counters on them get minus two, minus two until end of turn. So this is kind of interesting because you would expect if your creatures have counters on them, minus two, minus two is probably not killing them anyway, and it means that any of your opponent's creatures with counters on them aren't gonna get this effect, but it is kind of a one-sided board wipe sometimes. It deals with thopters and servos well,
1: hmm This is mainly a cyborg card against those. This was not very impressive uh, in Aether Revolt, which I believe is the set that it was in. Uh, it it often didn't do anything when you had yeah. it, because you're right. Uh, the things that you want to kill most are the creatures that have the 1-1 counters on them that your opponents control. And as it turns out, counters are common enough in this set that you know there will usually be a few things on both sides of the battlefield. And honestly sometimes your creatures won't have any 1-1 counters on them and this will be a one-sided board wipe but it's against the wrong side (laughs) it's against you so uh i don't really recommend putting this one in your black green counters decks if you're playing a best of three i do recommend picking up one for the sideboard but you can pick this up late people are not going to take this highly agreed
0: prioritize the snake don't care about the hazardous conditions
1: that's true the snake more than makes up for it in the uncommon slot absolutely
0: so our top commons and uncommons, surprise, surprise, Ridge Scale Tusker is good in this deck. Yeah,
1: hey, he's back. This is the Tusker. <laughs> Jeez. It's okay, it's just there's yeah. you
0: can't say anything bad about it here, especially. It puts more than one 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 counter on just about I mean, if you have a snake out, this is doing double the work. Like, come on. The Ridge scale tusker and the snake get along so well. But I have
1: actually pulled it off in limited where I've had the winding constructor and gotten the Tusker out on it, and it was insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Uh, So Ridscale Tusker, absolutely a great card in this archetype. Um, Our next one here is Kujar Seed Sculptor. This is one and a green for a 1-2 elf druid at common. Uh, When Kujar Seed Sculptor enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Of course, this is just a solid two drop. Um, Being able to buff your one drop or hold onto it later to buff something else, always good. And getting that extra value with the Constrictor is good as well. Our next is Armorcraft Judge. This is three and a green for a 3-3 Elf Artificer at Uncommon. When Armorcraft Judge enters the battlefield, draw a card for each creature you control with a plus-one, plus-one counter on it. That's pretty massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next card here, this is a black card, and one of my favorite cards from a design perspective in this set. This is Aetherborn Marauder. This is three and a black for a 2-2 Aetherborn Rogue at Uncommon. It has Flying and life link. And when Etherborn Mar- Marauder enters the battlefield, move any number of plus one, plus one counters from other permanents you control onto Etherborn Marauder. So this is a four mana 2-2 two two flying lifelink at worst. And at best, it's like an infinite, infinite for four mana with <laughs> flying and lifelink.
1: Yeah, this one really sucks when it's just the 2-2. Two two. Uh, it often gets outclassed by, I mean, a skyskiff, right? But if you can get even one counter out of this, two is really, really where you want to have it at. But uh, no, that's when it starts to get fun.
0: Yeah, and uh, notably, you're not adding counters to it, so Constrictor doesn't actually synergize well with this card. Um, you're just moving the counters, so it doesn't get any additional ones. But um, yeah, it's still a solid card.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And next up, we have Malphus Squad. This is three one for a, uh, sorry, this is three and a black for a three one Human Artificer at common. It has menace and it has fabricate one, so this can give you a way to give get the counters and a four two with menace for four is. Pretty solid. It's going to be hard to to take down, um, and you're usually trading up with this.
1: Yeah, uh, this card can be pretty good. So, so, this this actually kind of plays into your Aetherborn Marauder, right? Being able to put a counter on this is uh, pretty solid, and you're going to want to do that more often than not in the black green deck. When you take all the counters with Aetherborn Marauder, don't be afraid to not put all of them on maybe just put a few on because if you like take half the power and toughness on your board like say from your Ma- maul fist squad and your kujar seed sculptor and you just throw it all onto there uh not gonna be great yeah it's a lot easier to deal with. with next up we've got uh green white stuff <laughs>
0: mm. you couldn't even green, call white. it good stuff
1: no because it's not good <laughs> it, uh green can win it's it's a fine uh it, it, it's it's fine um this is a value deck the problem is the value isn't that good maybe that this hand-picked uh set will be a little bit better but it has some revolt themes it has some go wide token themes it has some go tall uh fabricate themes it's just a value deck um it is i think the best home for fabricate but fabricate isn't really a uh an enabler or a payoff it's just Kind of a mechanic, right? Whereas uh, green-black, uh, it gets value off of Fabricate. It, it, it uh, is able to get paid off for having those counters. Or um, black-white is able to get paid off for uh, sacrificing tokens. Green-white just has counters and tokens, and then it's like, all right, you got your counters and your tokens. So uh, the signpost then comments this, I think I'm going to talk about Engineered Might first because uh, this one kind of exemplifies what's wrong with this deck. It's three green-white, a sorcery. Target creature gets plus five plus five and gains trample until end of turn, or creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain vigilance until end of turn. This card wasn't very good in its original printing. Uh, I'm hoping it's a little bit better now, now that we have a bit more streamlined. Um, I think if you jam enough fabricate commons and uncommons into a deck and then have a copy or two of this, you can occasionally kill your opponent by going really wide or going really tall. But this is very weak to uh, having your things removed. So sometimes if you're not able to fully commit, uh, if you have this in hand, I recommend picking a plan and knowing how your deck's going to win, like fabricate going tall. If you're planning on uh, going over the top of your opponent or fabricate going wide, if you're planning on going around your opponent's creatures. But uh, this was a tricky deck to put together in its, in its time. And I, I'm a little skeptical to see how it works out in this one.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think I ever really played this deck too much in the, uh, in the first run of this format. And I'm not really expecting I'm going to want to here either. There are just other archetypes that I prefer. And I think most of them are open enough that it won't, it won't really be an issue, but we'll see. I'm hoping that the deck comes together and it's actually, it's actually decent. And we have like a format where pretty much every archetype is reasonable.
1: Yeah. I hope so. Next up we've got Renegade Rallier. This is one green white for a three, two human warrior. It has revolt. When it enters the battlefield, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, return target permanent card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, this is some pretty cool value. Uh, getting back a, a two-drop creature, or a, maybe a one-drop creature, or maybe an artifact or enchantment, or whatever else happens to be floating around your graveyard can be good. But I will say, when you don't have anything in there and you have to play this out on turn three, is just a three-mana 3-2. Uh, three, Compare this to Rogue Refiner, right? Yeah. It's just. Like, womp it, womp. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah i would take a rogue refiner over this any day this is a conditional draw a card and it doesn't even get me two energy so what's the point um our top commons and uncommons uh we have glint sleeve artisan now i think this is one of the things that can make this deck tick this is a uh dwarf artificer whoa dwarf artificer it's a two two it costs two and a white and it has fabricate one so this is a two and a white for a three three or two and a white for a two two and a one one that's pretty good
0: yeah it it allows you to facilitate the go wide it allows you to facilitate going big but ultimately like a three mana three three is probably not really where you want to be in this format or any format really um Mm -hmm. so probably you're going to want to get extra value out of the the servo than just putting the counter on this but it's serviceable and yeah like you said it kind of makes the deck work
1: yeah, we've also got Countless Gears Renegade. Again, we talked about a, a similar card, but this is another two-mana 2-2. This one is one of the white for a 2-2 Dwarf Artificer. When it enters the battlefield, if a permanent you-controlled uh, left the battlefield this turn, create a 1-1 colorless Servo Artifact Creature Token. Yeah, I mean, this is even better, right? Uh, <laughs> this is very similar to the Glint Sleeve Artisan, but now instead we have it costing one less and having the conditional Revolt Clause. So if you're trading stuff off anyway, yeah, it works.
0: Yeah, it's noticeable. I think one of the biggest issues this deck has is that there aren't a whole lot of ways to generate a lot of tokens in a repeatable fashion. Like, mm-hmm. Countless Gears Renegade, sure, it gets you an extra creature. And Fabricate, sure, they get you extra creatures. But they only do so once. And most of the cards in the format don't Fabricate for fabricate for more than one. There are a few that Fabricate for two, and I think there's like one or maybe two that Fabricate for three. But they're like rares yep. and Mythics. And... I mean, the revolt clause means you're losing something to get something, so that's not really putting you ahead on the number of creatures you control. So I think this is kind of where the deck falls apart. There aren't enough suppliers of tokens to really
1: make it work. Mm. I think this deck will be good when you happen to pick up a lot of the uh, the best commons in this uh, in this set, and often they won't be the go-wide or go-tall ones. It'll be something like... Um, I don't know. The, the it'll, it'll be... Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be like random uh, good value stuff, like P- Pima Outrider, for example. Or uh, you can even go a little bit bigger with like a Tiger or that kind of thing. This deck will be good when you get good green cards and good white cards and just put them together. Uh, for example, Kujar Seed Sculptor, which we talked about, Long Tusk Cub, which we talked about. One that we haven't mentioned yet is Pima Aetherseer. This is three and a green for a 3-2. Uh, yikes on the vanilla test there. It's an elf druid. When it enters the battlefield, you get an amount of energy equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. That's kind of cool. So at base, uh, you're getting three because it is three power. But if you have, say, a Ripperian Tiger that you already paid for, you get six energy. That's a cool way to keep your energy cards going. And you can pay three to have target creature block this turn if able. This gives the uh, the green-white deck a little bit of reach. It's kind of like a lore effect. Um, you know, uh, this lets the combat get a little bit more tricksy you know, so that green-white can... Mize out some wins from some Unexpecting, uh, unexpecting opponents But ultimately, I'm not uh, I'm not huge on this deck I mean, you can also toss in Ridgescale Tuskers And Servants of the Conduit and that kind of thing But at that point, you're just playing a good Green deck with some, okay, white cards Like I said, my hopes aren't super high on this one It was the weak, one of the weakest archetypes In its original printings But um, maybe the, the reset His, his favorite
0: yeah, and if you happen to draft really good green white decks, jump in our Kaladesh remastered uh, channel on the Discord and show us those those uh, deck lists. Cause I, yeah, I'm, like I yeah, I would really like to see s- some like good versions of this deck. Mm-hmm. So next up, uh, black red. We have basically it's 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 kind of funny because it's the pseudo counter to red white. But it's like, and Ben, ben called it mean vehicles. <laughs> Basically, it's an artifact slash vehicle deck, just like red, white, but it's more valued focused and a little bit less aggressive, kind of more controlly um, and a little bit yeah, more more value focused overall. So our first signpost on common here is Weldfast Engineer. This is one black red for a 3-3 human artificer. OK, so that that's pretty fine. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target artifact creature you control gets plus two plus zero until end of turn so this is cool it's at beginning of combat so you don't actually have to attack with the thing that you're pumping but it lets you crew some stuff make those things bigger get you're just getting extra value for for what you're crewing um pretty solid and uh it doesn't have to be an artifact creature uh sorry it doesn't have to be a vehicle it could just be any generic artifact creature so that's good
1: too. Mm -hmm. yeah notably this does nothing if you have no artifact creatures Uh, i like to think of it as red white messes with uh like tapping and when things tapping certain things are happening uh and uh, it cares about crewing, that kind of thing. Whereas the black-red decks, uh, they care more about the artifact creature side of it. So what, what are you going to do with the vehicle once you've got it crewed? Uh, and then this also kind of plays into other artifact creatures. Like There's a, a cycle of commons, I believe, in the old set that I can't imagine they didn't include in this.
0: Yeah, so our next uh, signpost uncommon is Unlicensed Disintegration. This card is phenomenal. It's a one black-red for an instant at uncommon. It says Destroy Target Creature. Yeah, that's it. it. It's a three mana <laughs> instant destroy target creature, so unconditional removal. But that's not actually it. Uh, if you control an artifact, it also deals three damage to that creature's controller. So yeah, it's a three mana instant. Basically, it's it's murder with lightning bolt strapped to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, this is one of the best cards uh, in the red or the the Mardu vehicles deck in standard. Uh, unlicensed disintegration was an absolute pain to play against in standard and that was a pushed standard with uh i don't know uh all sorts of nonsense going around there was wasn't there an Emercool in that format and if people could play uh at least for a bit there was um but people are also playing all sorts of nonsense and uh unlicensed disintegration made a big impact there it's gonna be pretty good limited too yeah
0: and with the servos and doctors running around black red isn't really the best for generating those but with all the extra artifacts flying around the set it's not going to be hard to keep an artifact on the on the field when you want to cast your unlicensed disintegrations and if it's if you don't have one well you're still getting a removal spell out of it so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so our top commons and uncommons we have another pretty solid removal spell this is essence extraction it's one black black for an instant at uncommon um and essence extraction deals three damage to target creature and you gain three life so it's a nice six point life swing for three mana at instant speed no real complaints there Um, our next black card here is Vengeful Rebel, which we talked about. That's two and a black for the three, two Aetherborn Warrior, which has revolt and it gives minus three, minus three to uh, a creature an opponent controls. If you had a permanent leave the battlefield this turn, um, next up is Aether Chaser, which we talked about as well. This is the one in a black two, one with first strike that gives you two energy and you can pay two energy when it attacks to give, to create a one, one servo. We have Quicksmith Genius. That's two and a red for the three, two human artificer. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And one card we haven't talked about yet is Sweatworks Brawler. This is three and a red for a 3-3 three, three human artificer at common. It has Improvise and Menace. So this, at very best, is a one mana 3-3 three, three with Menace. <laughs> pretty solid. Uh, otherwise, you know, a four mana 3-3 three, three with Menace is still pretty good. I think I would still re- generally pay that rate for that effect, and you're going to get it cheaper than that most of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Here, I wanted to shout out the cycle of uh, common artifact creatures with one mana activated abilities, because I think they have a pretty good home in this deck. Uh, so the one is Prakata Pillarbug, or Pillarbug, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's three mana for a 2-3, and it has, it's an insect, and you can pay black to give it lifelink until end of turn. Uh, and the red one is Weldfast Monitor. It's a 3-mana, three 3-2 three, Lizard, also an artifact creature. Uh, it has pay red. It gains menace until end of turn. So you can see how this deck could use those pretty effectively, especially with the Weldfast Engineer pumping either of those. Pumping a menace or a lifelink creature, both pretty good value things to do. Absolutely. Next up, we've got Blue Black Artifact. So this is another artifact deck, uh, but it's a bit more controlling than all the other ones we've talked about. Uh, It wants to get some card advantage, take advantage of some of the other uh, little energy payoffs. Uh, It kind of just wants to get some good value out of it and then take over in the late game with something dumb. So, uh, namely, one of those that you can do with, uh, and this one can actually end the game pretty quickly on turn three, is Tezzeret's Touch. This is one blue-black for an aura. Blue-black aura? We don't see this every day. So it's Enchant Artifact. And Enchanted Artifact is a creature with base power and toughness 5-5 in addition to its other types. And uh, when the Enchanted Artifact is put into a graveyard, return that card to its owner's hand. This is a sweet design. Love it.
0: Absolutely. It's worth noting, it's just Enchant Artifact, so basically this turns any old artifact you have, even if it's not a creature, into a creature, and then it gives it base power and toughness 5-5. Also worth noting, Ornithopter's in this format, so you can you can go turn three ornithopter for zero mana tesor touch and now you have a five five flyer on turn three
1: yeah living the dream over there <laughs> um this is kind of a callback to uh in soul artifact the dreaded scissors which cost one less but i don't believe had this little clause at the end of returning it to its owner's hand you can put this on an artifact that has an etb like a puzzle knot and then uh, you get it back later pretty cool The second signpost uncommon is Contraband Kingpin. This is blue-black for a 1-4 Aetherborn Rogue with lifelink. Whenever an artifact enters a battlefield under your control, scry one. Yeah, it's a wall. It's going to get in the way of anything, even gains you a little life if your opponents decide to attack into it. And uh, this helps you get to your late game payoffs, whatever that ends up being. For our top commons and uncommons, we have Glimmer of Genius, which we haven't talked about yet, but is one of the few cards that makes me want to play a blue deck. This is three and a blue for an instant. That is scry two, then draw two cards. You get two energy, and this does everything this deck wants to do. Right? It helps you find your other stuff. It helps you draw cards. You get some energy for random little payoffs here and there. Uh, you've got a Glint nest Crane as well. That's one in the blue for a one three. Also pretty defensively. Uh, Defensively static. And it's flying, so it can jump in front of all those pesky little thopters. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among those and put it into your hand. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So uh, again, same kind of idea, right? It's just going to jump in front of stuff. It's going to help you survive to the late game and see you can you know start getting in with your bigger threats. Well, what are those bigger threats? How about a, a Windkin Raiders? This is four blue, blue for a four-three Human Artificer. Yikes on the vanilla test, but it has Improvise and Flying. So if you manage to get down a bunch of artifacts early, you can, uh, you know, convoke this out using those or improvise the, this out using those. And that allows you to get a four power flyer and that can close out games.
0: Yeah, how, wh- how many artifacts are you happy? Like, what, what's the happy point with Winkin Raiders? You, you really don't want to be casting this for more than, what, four mana? Are you happy casting it at five?
1: Five is about as the most I'd ever want to cast uh, this at. Four, I think it's pretty good. Uh, and three, it's obviously great. Yeah. If you get this for blue-blue, send me a screenshot. But uh, I think you probably want at least uh, eight to 10, maybe more artifacts in your deck. You don't want to put bad artifacts in your deck to, to do this. Don't make your deck worse on the off chance that you draw this. But if you happen to have a bunch of artifacts already and this comes around in the pack, yeah, pick it up.
0: Yeah, and the servo generation helps. Doctor generation helps. Glintness Crane is also worth uh, noting. You want kind of a, a high uh, a critical mass of, of artifacts and Servos and Thopters don't help there. So this deck really does want to have uh, quite a few eight, eight plus artifacts in the deck.
1: Similar in a late game payoff for this, we have Sly Requisitioner. This is four and a black for a 2-2 two, two human artificer. It also has Improvise. So Whenever a non-token artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. So this is going to help pay you off for having a bunch of artifact creatures, right? If you have artifacts that can sacrifice themselves, like the blue or black puzzle knots, this will get you some value for that. Uh, I think if you can get two 1-1s, you're pretty happy. And uh, past that, this is just awesome.
0: Yeah, this is another one though. you don't want to cast at five because a 5-mana 2-2 sucks. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's not that's not good at all. Uh, this one, you're probably happy paying 4 for this, and then getting like... I mean, the, the, the cost that you pay for it, and then the number of servos you get from it uh, kind of go hand-in-hand in, hand in factoring how good this is going to be in your specific deck, right? There'll be draws where this is atrocious if you have no artifacts on board, and there'll be draws where this is atrocious if you manage to cast this, uh, but then have no way to get value from it.
0: Right, yeah, I mean, your opponents can always just point a removal spell at it before you get the the artifact, like the extra servos off of it. So spending five mana on a 2-2 that then just gets destroyed, even if they're you know, I mean, they're not going to send unconditional removal at it. They can use their worst removal spells to get rid of a 2-2. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's a good card when you can get it for cheap and you have ways to get the value out of it.
1: And uh, again, we just want to mention Malfa Squad here. It's it's one of the better black commons. Uh, it's, uh, it can come in, make a servo, or come in, put a counter on itself so you got a four power menace. Um, A card that i I didn't think of until now uh, while we were making this show. Did they put Dae Young in this set? Da Young is in the set, yeah. Ooh, okay. I want to mention Da Young, but I do want to make sure I get it right. Uh, I pulled it up. It's one of the black for a sorcery. Choose target creature. You get two energy, and then you may pay any amount of energy. The creature then gets minus one, minus one for each amount, or for each energy paid this way. So, this is uh, an easy way to kill like a two drop or a two toughness thing often. But this is kind of similar to Harness Lightning in that, oh, well, it's a sorcery, so it's a little bit worse. Uh, but you can use any energy that you had before uh, you know, to kill a bigger creature. So this can be a two-cost removal spell that kills like a 5-5. Five five. Or uh, you can you know, just pay one to kill like a pesky 3-1. Yeah. Um, and I, I was wondering, does this, does this set also have the, the card draw one in it? Uh, I think it's like a, a black card draw spell. That one might not have made it in. It wasn't great. Uh, there, is, like drew, there is uh, one,
0: yeah, you draw a card, lose some life.
1: It was the, the, the combo. It was live fast, I believe, because uh, the joke was you live fast and die young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, bl- they put only I, one of those in? I think they oh, did no, both. Oh, no, they did.
0: They did both, yeah.
1: Phew, okay. I'll mention that here as well, because this is this is a, a slower deck that can take advantage of it. That one was uh, two and a black. You draw two cards, lose two life, and get two energy. Yeah. So, uh pretty clear synergy with die young there Eh, if you want to live fast and die young it's a pretty cool thing to do on turn five right uh you can uh draw two cards lose two life and then uh kill a four drop sweet
0: yeah all right so that brings us to my personal favorite deck of the format blue white flyers blink this is here we go this is my home uh so basically this deck just looks to get creatures with lots of enter the battlefield effects and blink them or bounce them um is uh, if you don't know, is basically uh, get it off the battlefield and back on the battlefield in, in some way, shape, or form. And so it, it basically looks for ways to get things back into your hand from the battlefield, it has ways to trigger revolt as such, and uh, a number of payoffs that, that deal with that as well. So our first signpost uncommon is Spire Patrol. This is two white-blue for a 3-2 human soldier with flying. And when Spire Patrol enters the battlefield, tap target creature an opponent controls, that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. So if you have repeatable ways to blink this, you're just constantly tapping something down, keeping it locked, and then you have a 3-2 flyer getting in as well. Um, so, you know, that, that's always solid and kind of gives you right off the bat an idea of what this deck is trying to do. Our next signpost in common is Cloudblazer. This is three white-blue for a 2-2, which tells you this better be doing something really good, and, well, it does. Uh, Don't
1: worry, it does. <laughs> if you
0: thought If you thought blue-green was the only color combo that could draw cards and do other things as well you were wrong this is so again cloud blazer three mana uh sorry three white blue for a two two with flying and when it enters the battlefield you gain two life and draw two cards if you can blink this even once you're getting four life and four cards out of a five drop fly
1: yeah like uh i am looking forward to blazing it as (laughs) um cloud blazer is nuts It is not unreasonable to scoop when your opponent blinks this. Uh, I've seen it happen, and I've had people scoop to me on blinking this. It is dumb. Uh, It's one of the best value engines in in the set. Um, There's also Panharmonicon in this format. So you may get to live the dream of doubling all your enters the Battlefield triggers. And if you ever happen to go Panharmonicon into Cloudblazer, I don't know, Saffron Olive plays that in Modern, doesn't he? Yeah, he does.
0: (laughs) You know, it's interesting, though, because, um, I'm and I was just thinking about this now, we had just had Spoils of Adventure in Zendikar Rising, and Spoils of Adventure feels like a better card than this, even though this is repeatable, because Spoils can be like a two-mana gain-three-draw-three. Three? I
1: don't know. That requires a, a full board and a party build, right? Um, well, I, I guess, think Cloudblazer is much better and Limited.
0: Yeah, I guess the question is, like, how how frequently are we going to be able to bounce this in, in this format? You know, if you... I, if you had Cloudblazer yeah. blaze, cloud in a format with Into the Royal being the best blue common, like, ooh, could you imagine?
1: Now, I wonder if there's going to be any ways at common to blink a creature. Well, let's
0: find out. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to our top commons and uncommons for this format, or for this uh, archetype, rather, we have Eddie Trailhawk. This is one and a white for a 1-2 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you get two energy. And whenever it attacks, you may pay one energy. And if you do, another target attacking creature gains flying until end of turn. So this is your... Your typical sort of uh pegasus that that jumps a, a creature into the air and um gives a creature flying temporarily and this can do it twice uh without mm-hmm. any help
1: these cards are always better than they look uh there's a lot of formats where they become must kills and this one comes down on turn two
0: yeah and at, at worst it comes down on turn two eats a removal spell and gave you two energy for your troubles like yeah you know
1: and at, at even worse, if you top deck like this in the late game a turn later, you're able to jump your, I don't know, your Rip Tiger. Then you got a 6-6 six, six Flyer as well.
0: Yep. So next up we have Wisp Weaver Angel. This is 4 White White for a 4-4 four, four Angel at Uncommon with Flying. And when Wisp Weaver Angel enters the battlefield, you may exile another target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. This is the typical blink effect, and um, this one does trigger at... Uh, oh, this is this is one of the good ones that happens immediately. Some, some of these effects have, uh, bring the creature back at end of turn but uh, mm-hmm. this one just blinks it right right back. So this is a 4-4 flyer that gets your Cloud Blazer to trigger again. Yeah, you can't really go wrong. It is an yeah, uncommon. They, uh, hmm. Go ahead.
1: Okay. They, uh, they actually didn't put in Felidar Guardian, uh, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly. They didn't want the uh, Sahili copycat combo, as fun as it is to say. Copycat combo. Ah, love it. Um, this is one of the best things to curve into with uh, after a Cloud Blazer. I mean, y- you get it, right? Cloud Blazer costs five, Wisp Weaver, Wisp Weaver costs six. Like I think I see where they're going with this one. But also this doesn't have to blink a Cloud Blazer, although that is you know, probably the best thing to do with it. You can also just blink a creature that has uh, say a removal aura on it. There's a few good ones at common uh, in both blue and white actually. Uh, or if uh, I don't know, you have a creature that you wanted to reset somehow like you attacked with a big creature that you also went back on blocks, I could just flicker it. That's probably the worst case scenario for this. But you're also getting a 4-4 flyer for six. That's that's a fine rate and limited. Yeah.
0: Next up is Propeller Pioneer. This is three and a white for a 2-1 with flying, which is kind of meh. But it has Fabricate one. So it's generally going to be a 3-2 uh, flyer for four, which isn't, isn't awful. Usually with a card like this, you're going to want to fabricate the counter instead of the servo because the counter gets flying and the servo doesn't. Mm-hmm. Next up is Aether Swooper. We've talked about this a few times. Just good way to get energy. It's a flyer, and it'll make you extra servos if you need blockers and things of that nature. Um, also, notably, because you're you're focusing on blinking stuff with this deck, anything that enters the battlefield and gives energy is going to be super solid if you have ways to do things with that energy. There aren't a ton in this deck. Most of the big payoffs for energy are in green, or uh, I suppose red as well. Um, there are a few in blue, but yeah, you're. It's still going to be good to have around. Uh, at mm-hmm. the end of the day and our last of the top commons and uncommons we have listed for this deck is ether trade winds this is two and a blue for an instant at common and it says return target permanent you control and target permanent you don't control to their owner's hands so this is a two-way blink or a bounce effect but um generally you're going to want to use this to gain tempo against your opponent and also maximize your enter the battlefield effects in on your own creatures so yeah, it's kind of a two-way effect that way, but will help you on the tempo side better than than it will uh, usually with these effects. And mm-hmm. a small honorable mention of my favorite card in the set, Filigree Familiar. It just it enters the battlefield, gains your life, draws a card, and can do it over and over again, and it's adorable.
1: It is a really cute card. Go check out that art, everyone. So let's get to some top commons. Uh, we went the fairly, fairly predictable route, and uh, just picked the best removal spell in each of the colors. And uh, whether or not these end up being the exact top commons, uh, we don't know for sure, but they certainly were back when this set was first out. Uh, it's tough because sometimes you have removal spells from both uh, both uh, Aether Revolt and Kaladesh, and sometimes they both made it in. So it's tough to know exactly which is going to end up being the better one based on this metagame. For example, we already talked about Young. That was a fantastic removal spell. But uh, Daring Demolition, for example, uh, which is too black-black to destroy target creature or vehicle at sorcery speed, is also going to be very, very strong. Uh, which one ends up being better will depend on how the format shakes out in speed and uh, energy uh, and vehicle caringness, how much we, we value all those. Uh, I guess kind of working backwards from there, we've got Ice Over. That's one of the blue. Uh, you can enchant artifact or creature, and Enchanted Permanent doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. So, yeah. notably, this does not tap down the creature, but it does prevent it from ever untapping.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to mention. But also, um, I think one thing to, to that's worth mentioning just in general with this format, which we haven't said yet, is that I think removal is going to be less priority or less premium in this format than it than it has been in other formats. Because most of the cards, two for one yourself, like they, they come in with an extra creature or they uh have they're giving you energy so you're getting like extra little incidental things off of a lot of the creatures and with all the servos and thopters flying around the one for one removal spells don't quite do enough i think in a lot of situations but that's not to say that removals bad removals never bad and limited but keep that in mind i think you're going to find situations where probably by the end of this format uh the top commons won't be removal spells or at least a handful of them won't be
1: yeah uh next up we've got revoke privileges that's two and a white for an aura Enchant a creature. Enchant a creature can attack, block, or crew vehicles. Nice little pacifism effect. Uh, notably, pacifism, the literal card, would allow creatures to still crew vehicles. So this way, it locks that down, prevents them from driving away from their, uh, their, <laughs> their punishment there. Uh, in red, we've got two and a red for welding sparks. This is an instant. It deals x damage to target creature, where x is 3 plus the number of artifacts you control. So at baseline, it's a three mana deal three, whatever. That's playable limited. It's even pretty good. Now, if you start having some artifacts uh, like Dopters or Servos, which red decks often do, even if you just have two other ones, this is three mana deal five, which is great. In green, we have Hunt the Weak. We've seen this card before. It's three and a green for a sorcery. Put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. That creature fights target creature you don't control. So whether this ends up being the the very best one, uh, hard to say for now. I think was Prey Upon the one in the other set. I seem to remember an art of like, a, uh, an act of like a living creature fighting a giant mechanical creature. I don't know. Maybe that was one of them. I don't know if that made it in or not. But Hunt the Week is a solid removal spell, especially in slightly slower, more mid-range formats where you can get that counter for value, and you can also get that fight. Not a lot of uh, good counter spells or blowout effects in this uh, set either. People tend to be tapping out, right? So this is going to be pretty good. Yeah,
0: Metallic Rebuke is the big one. Um, that's a it's two and a blue with improvised and it counters target spell uh unless your opponent pays three mana so it can basically be mana leak or mm-hmm. cheaper mana leak i suppose um yeah but th- that's that's a big one to look out for but otherwise uh yeah right on
1: so so there's a one thing i want to mention in the uh, the removal section real quick there is a uh, an uncommon removal-esque spell that i just wanted to address called pacification array Uh, because it fits into any deck uh, because it's colorless so it's one mana of any color for an artifact and it has pay two tap it tap target artifact or creature this is a very strong card uh, and i wanted to mention it because it's one of the best removal spells in the set uh, depending on the speed of the set i don't think this is going to be hyper aggressive i think you will actually be able to pay two uh in order to you know Keep a creature tapped, uh, keep it locked down, or uh, use this aggressively sometimes, too. You can tap a creature on their end step, tap a creature before combat, and then send in all your attackers. So this is a pretty versatile card. It's, it does a pretty good impression of Icy Manipulator, which only costs one. Costing two is a, a big downside compared to that, but it's still a very strong removal spell. It's worth mentioning it because uh, it's going to get taken early and you want to grab it when you can. You literally put it in every
0: deck yeah it's it's just that good and yeah they mm-hmm. they did move away from the one mana tappers but this is what we have to work with and pacification already gets the job done yep so uh kind of to wrap up here we're gonna cover sort of what we're most excited for in this format and then a few final thoughts on the format as a whole and then we'll uh we'll wrap up for you so ben what are you most excited for in this format
1: well uh i know cloud blaze is your thing but you haven't lived until you've blamed the Cloud Blazer. We'll just say that. <laughs> or uh, if you get to play a Ridge Scale Tusker and get like five counters and it ends up being better than a Gear Hulk, it's just awesome. Uh, this set was really when I first started hitting my level ups in Limited, when I first started being like, oh, this is what I've been doing wrong or this is where I've been uh, messing up. And uh, at this time, I was playing at the, uh, the club at my college at Rutgers. And everyone that went to this club, they were GP grinders. Uh, like this was their like fun thing that they went to before they went to like GPs the next day. Uh, so uh, um, it was a pretty intense limited environment. Uh, and I kind of got forged in the fire there. I, I got good pretty quick through them. Uh, so I own for that. Although I I did get my butt kicked quite a bit too, uh, but that helps. Uh, and now I, I think I've, I've paid gotten paid off for that. So um, I'm looking forward to getting some of that a little, little bit of nostalgia for it. Um, it's going to feel like you know when you put on an old hoodie and you're like ah that's right good fit like i remember this this is nice um i think that's how i'm going to enjoy drafting some of these Kaladesh cards that's
0: sweet yeah definitely blink deck is my favorite and uh very excited to be able to blink some cloud blazers i'm just happy you're on board with some blue white shenanigans like, uh, that <laughs> that really warms my heart uh, to hear that from you but i'm also a huge fan of how the blue green energy deck works there's so many like gears turning there um, hmm. and so many different tweaks that you can make with that deck that I'm excited to see uh, what people are able to come up with and what the best blue green energy decks look like in this new hybrid format so that that's kind of the the high point for me I'm, I'm really excited to see those um, also I'm very excited to see how big I can get a long tusk cub. can we hit <laughs> double digits what do you think
1: oh oh I think we might be able to I think we could see that All right. The question is, will you be able to hit double digits before your opponent just dies or scoops?
0: (laughs) Yeah, see, that's the tough part. I mean, if you have enough energy to make the double digits thing, you're probably never getting there because your opponent's just (laughs) going to lose.
1: That's right. I I mean, yeah, I'm on board with the blue-white in this case. Uh, I love first picking a cloud blazer. You could even splash it if you have to. It's just such a good card. I mean, I, as a dirty mid-range player, can admit to when there is a value card of such good value, even if it's not my typical play pattern, uh, that it's, it's, you know, it's gonna be the thing to do. Uh, plus also, I like drafting decks that win games and Cloud Blazer does that really well. And it's not even blue-green. And so, yeah, it's, it's only <laughs> half that. <laughs> so I just want to share some final thoughts on this format real quick. One thing that you'll notice as you're looking over the spoiler is there's a lot of bad artifacts. If you have cards that pay you off for having artifacts, don't put the bad ones in your deck just because you can. Play the good ones. And then if you have to cut a payoff later on because you didn't quite get there, that's fine. But if you end up making your average draw worse because you're playing, like there's, there's some really bad stuff in there. Prophetic Prism is an example of a good one. It's a two drop, costs two of anything. It enters the battlefield, draw a card, and you can pay one, tap it, you get one mana of any color. It's harmless, right? It replaces itself and it pays you off for having artifacts later. For example, there's, um, let's see here. There's a there's like a cannon, I think, that's just trash.
0: Some of the vehicles uh, are really bad, yeah.
1: Oh, here's one. A pendulum of Patterns. This is two for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life and you can pay five, sack it, draw a card. Yeah, that's like really bad. What? <laughs> you, you don't want that. Um, there's a few that, that do similar ridiculous nonsensical things like that. Just play the good ones, uh, ignore the bad ones. This set seems to have a, a lot of viable strategies, uh, and it seems to skew early game. You're going to want to hit your two drop and your three drop, uh, or else you're going to get run over by the vehicle's deck or outvalued by early hits from the blue and the green decks. Uh, and tokens can go wide and go around you if you happen to stumble a little bit. I think the removal of Renegade Freighter is going to slow the format down compared to what it was originally. There were certain draws where you'd have uh, a freighter, and then it'd be like, all right, got to deal with the train or I die. And I think removing that inevitability aspect uh, at such consistency, because it was a common, um, I think that will slow the format down pretty significantly, especially because that could go into any deck. So every deck played it. I think it'll fall somewhere around like a true mid-range format. And then uh, some decks like blue-white will go over the top. Some will try to curve out and smash like red-green. But uh, I'm excited. This format looks really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I'm curious how it's going to be different, just like Amonkhet Remastered was. I'm curious how the melding of Kaladesh and Aether Revolt affects the, the overall format. I think it'll be less polarizing than Amonkhet Remastered, because Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation were so drastically different formats. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, And Aether Revolt has a smaller smaller gap between the two, or I'm sorry, Aether Revolt and Kaladesh have a smaller gap between the two, so I imagine it's going to be less uh, different than, than Aether Revolt. Compared to uh, Hour of Devastation and, and Amoket Remastered, but super excited to see how it ends up turning out. Before we head out, just wanted to plug the Discord one more time. Get in there, chat up uh, Kaladesh Remastered. We've got we've got channels for it. We've got channels for all sorts of other stuff, even constructed formats as well. So uh, get in there and and start up a conversation. And also, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you're interested in uh, giving back to the show or supporting us, you can do so at the Patreon, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. It uh, really helps us out, and we really thank all of our patrons. Um, you guys are great. You can find us both on social media at Rannick galfridian or at BetaFish One, and you can contact the podcast directly at Draftchaffpod on Twitter or Draftchaffpod at gmail.com.:
1: Yep, thanks, everyone, and looking forward to seeing what kind of Kaladesh draft stacks you can send in for us. So before we get going, I have a bit of a story time. Now, thinking back to my time at the Rutgers Magic the Gathering Club, which has since fallen off, if any of you listening happen to go there or uh, or know anything about it, it kind of died off a few years after uh, I stopped going. Um, All the grinders moved on. They started, you know, leaving college, grinding actual GPs. But there was one highlight that I remember uh, from this set, from, uh, I believe it was Kaladesh, that was one of the highlights of my magic career, despite it being pretty early on. So I was actually uh, just showing up to the club and I had found out that they had invited a a famous magic player to the club one day uh, because there were a lot of like GP regulars. They interacted with the pros all the time. Turns out they invited John Finkel, uh, aka Johnny Magic. He has a Wikipedia page. This is a famous person. Uh, He's won hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, of, of prizes through magic um
0: and he's regularly considered the best player of all time like literally the goat
1: yep he is uh in in the runnings for best ever to play the game uh world champion he's i don't even want to look up how many pro tours he's like top eight or or top 16 but um he knows his stuff this is a great magic gathering player and uh i will say it came to great surprise when he sat down next to me at the draft table i
0: think i would have crapped but, myself like i would have had to i would have literally have soiled my trousers like
1: <laughs> i passed to john finkel i was to the right of john finkel so uh not only did i have to focus on playing uh, on drafting properly i had to think about the fact that the best player of all time arguably was analyzing my passes uh and this was obviously nerve-wracking um it was a pretty fun draft. I wound up with a pretty good red-white uh, aggressive deck. I actually got to play a Smuggler's Copter uh, before it was banned uh, like two weeks later.
0: <laughs> uh, it never got but banned in Limited, though.
1: That's true. It did not, and it was very good. Uh, and actually, I'll, I'll re- always remember that in pack two, he passed me an Angel of Invention, uh, which was the white Mythic from the set. It's a huge Mythic Angel. What is it? like? A Let me take a guess three or yeah three white white for a two one with fabricate and flying and it has fabricate three was that what yeah, it was it was something about that and then uh creatures you control get plus one plus one so you can uh you know make a bunch of tokens and you get a huge army or uh you get this huge mythic angel i remember he passed it to me and as uh as the draft was ending i was like uh, how was the draft man and he was like oh you're in red white right I was like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, I, I know I passed through the Angel. Like I figured, <laughs> like it was, it was one of the best cards in the set. And, uh, I mean, he just wasn't interested, but that's, that's, uh, the level of resolve that you have when you're at, at that level. And also he wasn't about to take it for the money. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, who's, who's rare drafting when you're the best player in the world and have hundreds of thousands of dollars in winnings.
1: Yeah. I, I will say my other favorite takeaway from that night was I got him to sign a season's past, uh, which, he was known for his black-green Seasons Past deck in Standard, which was this beautiful creation of tutoring and ramping and killing and uh, recursing uh, recursion through this card called Seasons Past, one of my all-time favorite cards. And I keep a signed copy in my, uh, my decks up behind me. So uh, a great time. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get him on the show someday. That would be something.